0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Hunting Public Podcast powered by Dakota Lithium. Dakota Lithium makes the products that we use that help keep us on the road when we're traveling around and hunting. I always have a Powerbox 135 in the back seat of my truck and that thing has been incredible. I charge up my computer, my cameras, and obviously my phone and that really helps us stay mobile. We like staying at primitive sites, and if we have electricity with us at all times, that definitely helps. They also make solar panels and stuff like that, so pretty much no matter what, if you're traveling around, camping in remote locations, you can keep yourself charged up with Dakota Lithium. In this episode, I'm gonna be talking with my buddy Eric Barber, and this podcast style is a little bit different. I just called him up, we hadn't talked in a while, And I guess really just all around had a BS session. We talked about a whole bunch of different things, and it was a lot of fun. This podcast is super long, so if you guys like that style, let me know. I'm definitely open to doing more of it. I really enjoy doing the longer podcasts, especially when catching up with buddies and stuff like that. It's a little bit different than talking specific strategy, but... Eric's a really great hunter, he's got a lot of cool experiences, and he tells a lot of cool stories in this podcast, and he's just one of my best friends. We work together at Midwest Whitetail, he's been a guest on the podcast several times, so if you like it, let us know, and we can try to do some more of them. Eric works for Vortex Optics Now, they also have a bunch of cool video podcasts as well, so if you want to check out their YouTube channel, I'll throw a link in the description of this podcast. But Speaking of Vortex, we teamed up with them to give away an all-expenses paid turkey hunt with us, the THP crew. Aside from hitting the woods with us, lodging, licenses, Vortex gear, and $1,000 for travel is all included, and entering to win is easy. Head to thp.vtxnation.com, enter your email, and you're done. If you stay tuned to Vortex and THP social platforms, we're going to be giving out more information there. So be on the lookout in the upcoming THP Turkey tour videos as well, where we'll also be sharing the link. Good luck to everybody that enters. We've also partnered with the social media platform, Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship and Go Wild is a free social community where not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and a whole lot more. So if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out, and all you got to do is visit downloadgowild.com to get started. Also, if you have interest in getting a new bow for this fall, we can help save you 10% off of all bear equipment if you use the code THP10. Last fall we came out with the new THP Adapt. That's the bow that I'm going to be shooting again this year. I really liked it this past season. I used it for everything from pronghorn hunting all the way to whitetail hunting. And the main things I like about it are how quiet it is, it's got a super smooth draw cycle, and it's easy to tune. It's a single cam bow, it's nothing super fancy but we also really like the price point of it. There's just so many bows out there that are definitely really quality items but they're very expensive and with the THP Adapt we just wanted to be able to make something that was affordable but still a quality bow that was easy to tune. That way no matter what your skill level is, you've got a bow that you can be confident in. Alright guys, let's get Eric on the line and start this BS sesh. dude can you hear me i hear you do you hear me what up dude yes god that looks beautiful
1: over there yeah man i can say the same about all those big old bucks behind you
0: could you hear me talking to myself just a second? i could yeah i was laughing real hard <laughs> <laughs> dude, <it's, laughs> i'm testing out this new so we got this new software and it does um like it's basically like zoom except for you have more manual control throughout and okay. this is kind of the, in a way, the maiden voyage with a guest. So if you with me, if anything kind of fails, I was like, I guess, you know, it's better to be Eric than like somebody that I don't really know. So, Right, exactly. I'm going to go grab a cup of coffee. I'll be right back.
1: Okay, sounds good, dude. Yeah.
2: Dude, I also I, made a coffee room.
0: I just said, "I'll take the whole pot." <laughs> Dude,
1: the uh, the Stanley uh, thermos has changed my life. A uh, girl I work with got me one for Christmas, uh-huh. and there is nothing like having that big old, like, huge pot with that little, like, screw-up lid as the cup. Like, just feels more up class drinking out of that little <laughs> cup lid. <laughs>
0: You could just you can just be drinking little cups all day.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's more manageable if you drink seventy two tiny little ten ounce cups rather it than slows five you big down. Cookies.
0: Dude, my issue so since I've been home since deer season ended, it's just progressively gotten more absurd, you know, where it's yeah. like I started with Whitney would leave, make a pot before she went to school. Leave a couple cups in there. I'd drink about two of these. Yeah. And it started, you know, being like, you know what? I'll make a little bit more. So I'd make like a half a pot. And then it's like, next thing you know, it's like, I'm waking up, finishing that one, making another one, then maybe even making another one later in the day. And it's like, I got to slow this down.
1: Yeah, dude. It's pretty fun, I, uh, though.
0: We've been, <laughs> between Mark Sawyer and I, we've been trying to cut
1: down coffee intake at work. And, uh, like, we're we're limiting it to like, four. So, like, the window is real high. Like, four big, you know, Yeti-sized, like, things of coffee. It's like, that's not a really good standard to limit. Like, we should be cutting it down a little
0: bit. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, is I feel like while there is a little bit of withdrawal from coffee, it's never like if you end up getting to the point where you're like, I'm doing too much, I really need to stop. I don't ever feel like it's so crazy that it makes you too miserable or it's not like, I don't know. It's not like other things. Like when I quit nicotine, for example, that was a lot harder than quitting, (laughs) quitting, uh, caffeine. And like when I hunt, I actually, I feel like it's hard to see this way because of the way that we, show it in the videos
2: but, <laughs> <laughs> <Wow>! <laughs> but it's like i actually
0: yeah. drink less coffee when i'm hunting it's just what gets me really revved up first thing in the morning or midday or on the road but it's yeah. like i'm using it for more of a specific purpose where here at home and i'm just working on my computer it's just I don't know. Recreational joke. Exactly. Exactly. It's like I don't know that this is this isn't medicinal. Right, right.
1: Exactly, man. Dude, I I feel the same way. It's like when I bring coffee into the woods, I'll sit there in, in the tree just like drinking that stuff all day long. And I swear, man, having a lot of coffee with you, like yes, you have to pee way more, but it keeps your mental oh, like yeah. it keeps you warm. It's like there's uh-huh. nothing better than it being 35 degrees and pouring a little cup of coffee and drinking it in the tree man it's beautiful I don't,
0: I don't think i have any but we've got a little uh, keith kind of got me into this and i don't know that i totally support it and then i want to be spreading the word of it but have you been, have you ever seen those mio energy like the squirt bottles yeah dude that that is like you know that's straight to the brain we call them (laughs) dbs direct brain squirt and it's unhealthy it really is like we we did it i don't know probably the first time a couple years ago but i guess a couple years ago we used to use those walmart packets and and those are those are also those are probably worse those make your heartbeat abnormally i don't know if you've ever tested the waters with those but dangerous yep and we uh did that and then we call those reds i don't really know why just if you ever hear a reference yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think i think too it's funny because it like i think it originated from the first color was red and then As time has gone on, we've gotten a variety of different colors or flavors, but they're still yeah. just reds. And whether you're doing a packet or you're doing the squirt bottle, it's all just a red. Just getting <laughs> that red.
1: <laughs> oh, dude, I love it. That's hey, what man, keeps us works. alive. Yeah, dude, it, when you're operating on, you know, four hours max of sleep and... <laughs> you know getting in 20,000 steps every day like you need some sort of synthetic supplement <laughs> to keep things operating correctly but it's just like
0: not realistic for me to carry coffee you know in most situations so yeah i just do think it's pretty funny cuz we always carry a water bladder so it's like squirt hit a water squirt, squirt red, hit a water. squirt red <laughs> i've got all kinds of all kinds of weird footage of us doing yeah. direct brain squirts <laughs> the pretty dbs sick. dbs dude um, is that a
1: jackalope mount behind you yeah I love uh, that. yeah there that
2: one
0: <laughs> dude, my dude, dude, my aunt it. got one of those from a or two of them i think from a friend so then of course i saw it and was like that's sick i need one of those and yeah she eventually gave me one of them as a christmas present i'm pretty sure hers got um eaten by a. What what, what what moth what are they moth like what are those called? You know what I'm talking about? Moths. I have no
1: idea. There's moth Oh what, yeah, moth.
0: What they yeah. have for mothballs for, you know, yeah, where they yeah. get and they eat your stuff. Like that pretty much just destroyed one of the, her her uh, jackalopes. So that sucks.
1: Dude, that's horrendous. That's mm. the reason nine hundred why moths suck.
0: Yeah, I've got a couple in here and, <laughs> and then I got one over in my living room, but Moths or Jackalopes. <laughs> Great question. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had multiple jackalopes, really. <laughs> just like throughout the house, there's just yeah. like five or six jackalopes. It's like, damn, Zach's a good jackalope hunter, dude.
1: <laughs> oh man, yeah, dude. It's I, I. Those things are like a staple in any northern Wisconsin bar. You go up there, and you know, you're you're bound to see a couple jackalopes on the wall.
0: I would be super curious to know what like the origin of the jackalope is i should probably research that see if i could get the guy that you know spotted the first jackalope in the wild you yeah know. and drew the first tag <laughs> yeah. you know oh my like, gosh what a
1: conservation success story man. oh yeah i mean
0: from almost <laughs> extinct to you know now i got one on my wall and in my <laughs> <Seriously>. bathroom <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah dude the, the the
1: power of license sales at
0: work <laughs> <laughs> so this is your guys's new place then that you're at yeah we moved uh
1: we moved back in august and we we literally moved uh 10 days before i left for alaska so that was it was, dude we had boxes all over i brought all my hunting stuff to work kept it at my desk because i didn't want to like move it from our old house to the new house and then to, you know, getting ready to fly out. So instead I just brought everything. I, I had hunting stuff at work. We were bringing boxes over here. Like it's, it was a total rodeo. And I think I was in the house for maybe, a, I think like six days. There was a point where I had slept more in a tent than I slept in our new house. That's like awesome. After owning it for almost a month, I think I was in a tent more than more than living in the house, it was ridiculous.
0: I mean, that's pretty sweet though. It'll all yeah, catch it, up in the end.
1: Yeah, exactly. But no,
0: it's it's cool. We
1: we moved, uh, like I said, like late August, and it's we're a little closer to work and, and stuff. So yeah, we rented for a long time and finally got a spot, man. So it's
0: it was it's been fun. Still, that's
1: I have got sweet. boxes everywhere. Like if I pan this camera, there's just stuff
0: all over. Oh, dude, I I was. <laughs> doing like a little phone video before we started and i was just like i'll just be honest with everybody it's like i'm just not a clean dude like i cleaned up in here a lot last night but like i still have cords and stuff laying around and like just you know my organization process i just don't think you know is that good i just try i try really hard right but then it's like i still don't know what to do with a bunch of camera batteries like how do you organize those well like i just got them kind of stuffed into a desk you know it's like but you know where they are i know like where they are at them, least you right can, now you can
1: find them. yeah
0: exactly man do you ever deal so, with that do you ever deal with that deal where you're like i know i've seen that thing that i'm looking for right here before and now i don't know where it is and now i'm panicked
1: 100 <laughs> like uh like here this is this is my current organization that i have going on for like the the little sim cards for uh yeah uh cell cams like i put it on the (laughs) look it just sits on my desk that this is most definitely going to get vacuumed up like within the next six months and i'll be like where is it yeah right now i know that it sits right next to where it used to go inside of that but for now it works
0: yeah i i get pretty risky with
1: sd cards don't tell the boys (laughs) (laughs) it's like
0: but I do my SD cards I've gotten much better at. I, this yeah. is my podcast case and in here I just have my little baggie of extra yeah. Ziplocs. And that that's been a pretty solid mm-hmm. system for me. Sure. I oh man. Added a couple new stickers to it yesterday Ooh, too. Oh, that's
1: sweet. That's super cool. What's that uh what's the one on the the like colorful one?
0: National Forest. National Forest sticker. Got that is really cool. A bunch of those at the NWTF thing, and then I got in trouble because Whitney also picked up more than me, and I was walking around with my water bottle, and there's one there, and there's one there. That's super cool. And she was like. You stealing my stickers and i was like <laughs> i don't know i guess i thought i picked these up but apparently not
1: dude a good a good sticker is uh those are those are tough to find i mean a, a good sticker goes a long ways
0: i have oh, i have so many stickers i started putting them on my decked drawers yeah I that's, that's
1: i i've started doing the same thing because i know i don't want to put them on my truck you Me know either. like i always feel like when people put like You know, their bow, their like camo, they're all that stuff on their truck. It's like saying smash window for free stuff. Like, it it has never made sense to me. So I put it out, like, just like you said, on the deck drawers. And it's like, that's a much more discreet way of doing it.
0: Yeah. I've also thought a lot about just how much it can give away that you're a hunter, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, I was in Ohio a couple weekends ago and I was scouting and I was driving through some public and I saw this Jeep all blacked out it was that truck bed jeep oh yeah and it was like oh you know this guy he's either, i mean he's probably hiking or hunting or, or, or i guess hiking or scouting sure and i go past him and in the uh, window or through the windshield i can see that he's got the turkey spur like necklace hanging oh yeah and i was just like oh son you gave yourself away i know what you're doing in there now yeah. which i mean otherwise you know, some places and sometimes of the year it might be more obvious, but it's like you just see a regular old truck with no stickers on it. It's like I don't know what they're doing necessarily.
1: Right, exactly. Especially if it's like uh, you know some of those more older, discreet looking vehicles. Like you, you never know. But oh, yeah. man, um, the you brought up the turkey spur necklace. I was just ta- like, I'm trying to figure out what to do with all my like spurs and beards. Like I've been doing this thing where I put like. Uh, like I'll buy like a bunch of like long shoelaces, like the kind that you would see in like work boots, like that standard, like yellow, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then um, I'll like cut the shotgun shell, like I cut the plastic out, pop the primer out, and then I'll put a hook through that shoelace that goes through that hole where the primer was, connect it to the string, and then you put your spurs, your shotgun shell, and the beard all like on one kind of like unit, so Mm -hmm. to speak gotta find like a way a method of like hanging those things and displaying them without it looking like total total ridiculous yeah exactly very similar to that
0: mines That's mine's sweet. definitely the lazy way of doing it I just stick a knife through the shotgun shell and then yeah. twist it and then yeah. I get it big enough so I can stick this this is just a random piece of leather I think I found somewhere yeah and then the beards are just shoved into the end of the shell it's not even glued or anything it's just like i can pop them right out of there
1: oh that's sweet that's super cool yeah but, i got. I actually speaking of organization let's see this will be a real-time test to see if i know where these things are <laughs> i know they're
0: in here like and this is how i hang them is i just stick them right i mean it doesn't it's not the fanciest thing in the world but i pretty much just yeah, hang them worries. right off of the off of those little mounts that's sweet dude i like it i know i got these things in here this is a real-time test of organizations.
1: Oh, yep. Here we go.
0: It's always so funny, dude, the organization thing. Like, I always do these podcasts, and it's like, you only see this section, but it's like, sometimes, you, if you could just see the floor, it's just like a nightmare. Right, There exactly. you go. That looks pretty I mean, sweet.
1: Yeah, so I got to figure out, like, a way of, like, so, like, you cut the plastic. Uh-huh. You got to hook through, like, this one I have way too little rope, but, like... <laughs> i don't know i think it looks sweet chantelle gets so pissed off because i got a whole box of like feet so really funny story on these things i actually got to ask these people because I, they I, I work with them but a couple years ago <clears throat> we were our apparel team was working on like uh they wanted to see like a backpack like just a bare bones no frills backpack so i have like a cabela's um well, it's those old Cabela's packs that we used to use at, uh, at Midwest Whitetail. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, just the regular, no frills, fancy camel backpack whatever. And I brought that thing into work. They just wanted to like see something. Cause I think they were working on like modeling after and seeing like, you know, what they liked, what they didn't like. So I just brought this thing. And I'm like, here you guys go. This would have been right after we moved into our old house that we now just moved out of. And, um, Long story short, I gave them. The, I just gave them the backpack without ever looking in, like inside of it. And uh, they gave it back like the next day. I open up the backpack and there's a box, like just a cardboard box labeled "turkey feet," and like, and nobody ever asked. Like no one ever said, like, "Hey, Eric, what's uh, what's this box of turkey feet?" Or it, it might even say, said like turkey parts. <laughs> And like it was just in that that backpack, and they, with almost certainty, had to see that. So I'd love I got I'm gonna ask them on Monday if they ever like dug into that thing and re- recall that because I was still fairly new at the time. I think I'd only worked there like less than a year for sure. And so when I when I brought it home and I opened it up
0: and I saw the box, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> oh, that's so hilarious. It reminds me of a story that happened last year for us whitney went turkey hunting with me we we went specifically to hunt in wisconsin yeah and we met up with jake and crystal and hunted over in in their neck of the woods a little bit and we were also with our friend bruce who's like a newer friend of ours and he had been also turkey hunting all season but like, Whitney and I had flown in because it was the end of the season, and we were just going to make a quick trip, and, you know, had place to stay and everything, so it was a little bit different than early in the season, but Bruce had just still been touring with his truck, so he's been to, you know, this long list of states and sure. hunted, and I think pretty much shot a turkey in every state that he had been in, and God, and he's, dude, that's so cool. Oh, it's, it's sweet. Bruce does some pretty cool stuff, like, and he's a yeah. really fun guy to hang out with, talks a lot, like... You and I, so Good, good. You would get along with him really well. And he's also <laughs> Southern, so it's awesome to listen to yeah. talk. So Yeah. We were um getting I don't know what we were even doing. Maybe he was napping or something and like Whitney maybe moved his truck a little bit. Yeah. And she got in there and she comes back to me and she's kind of like shell shocked. She's like, There's so many turkey feet and beards on the floorboard of his truck (laughs) i was just like yeah i mean what do you expect like he's traveling around turkey hunting the country what do you expect he's gonna have a bunch of beers but she just seemed like she was shocked like yeah there's so many but i just think that's a funny thing to visualize is whitney getting into bruce hall's truck traveling turkey hunter traveling with his dog and a bunch of turkey feet at his feet <laughs> yeah yeah it's like
1: it's like uh those like horror movies where someone like goes into like a serial killer's like house and just sees oh, yeah. like you know weapons and shit and bodies <laughs> all over i wonder how that would work out if like he if it's like let's just say he casually was having a conversation with a warden you know and he opened the door and there's just like Dude, and turkey beards and stuff.
0: I have a story that I'm pretty sure has never been told on any THP platform whatsoever. Oh, boy. So this is a hilarious one because it's exactly that. It's yeah. exactly that. So it was opening day in West Virginia. And it was myself, Ben, and Colin. Okay. I was editing the night before, so I was kind of hanging back. Ben went ahead, and he roosted a turkey on public. So it's like okay, sweet. Like we got a place to go. So we get there super early because we're expecting some pressure. It's opening day, and it's not like this is a huge piece of public land. There's yeah, you know, it's one of the smaller types of land pieces that I would say I hunt in general. And uh, there's quite a bit of access and everything. One of those types types of spots. Probably a lot yeah. similar to a lot of the stuff you hunt. For sure. And I was pleased to see that nobody was at the spot that we were going to. So we pull in or I'm sorry, first off, we drove all our vehicles there. So it was my oh, yeah. caliber at the time, Ben's Chevy Cruze at the time, and Colin's <laughs> big white van at the time that has no stickers, yeah. no nothing. It's just like on the verge of being creepy. Yeah. So we park there vehicles right when we make it into the public land and then we take my vehicle to the spot and we get there and there's nobody there and it's like man this is sweet like we've got this bird roosted and ben heard him from the road so we're in the game already and we're standing there and all of a sudden like just as we're about to leave the truck the floodgates open everybody's showing up like four wheelers flying down the road trucks coming down the road headlights going everywhere and just pretty startling to be honest because up to this point we had been hunting multiple states and i don't think we i know we had not seen that much pressure yet you know yeah everybody wants to say all our birds are the most pressured and like that's all super situational and regional because in this situation this was insane yeah and i see this truck pull down the road and they stop oh 100 yards from our pull off but i can see their lights on the road truck doors start slamming and i remember four wheelers going like both ways past them and it's like this is wild sure enough old boy comes walking down the road and he walks straight down right into the pull-off that we're in and they're at this point too it's starting to get gray and birds are yeah. gobbling everywhere like it makes sense that with the pressure it's like okay there's actually turkeys everywhere the one ben heard is one of like <laughs> 20 it felt felt like we could hear <laughs> and he just walks right up to us and he just goes like kind of looks at us and doesn't really say anything maybe he says something like morning boys or something I was like hey man how's it going I'm like where are you planning on going and without missing one single stride he just goes I'm going right down in here and like just all chipper about it but just walked right past us where we're at. And like there's birds gobbling. <laughs> and he just walks right past us towards the turkeys. And it's just like, I remember looking at Ben and Colin and being like, I want no part of this. Let's just get in the vehicle and just cruise around and find Dude. a place where there's nobody there. And then we yeah. just don't have to like, be, because it was dangerous. Not, not oh, even because sure. of like, well, first off, we obviously had a, a terrible communication with this guy. And yeah. It's like, it's gonna get unsafe there's people going in on these same turkeys that are 300 yards off the road anyway we cruise around and go hunt the whole day end up finding a really nice chunk where we could really get back in there and ended up not really having much action but it's don't quote me on this because i don't want to say it wrong for sure but it's either noon or one close and in the laws okay. of West Virginia, you have to be back at the vehicle by that time frame, or like, oh man, there's like cow. a small buffer, but it's like sure. it's not it's not end unload your yeah. gun at noon or one. It's get back.
1: Oh man, that's that's wild.
0: Yeah, so always read your regulations, you know. And we were totally. making sure to do that, and we had a long walk back to the vehicle. And actually, how it played out was this spot just happened to be in a place where we could walk through the piece and end up back at Colin and Ben's vehicles, which we had left before we had even had this encounter with the guy walking past us. Sure. And we go back and we're walking down the road and, you know, it's, it's, we're on time. We're like, okay, good. You know, odds of us seeing, you know, a game warden are low, but you want to make sure that you're doing everything right, obviously. And, we get back to the vehicle and there's a warden standing there. I don't remember if he was a warden or if he was a sheriff, but either way he had, he, he was checking hunters that, that was his mission for that day. Mm -hmm. And we walk up and, you know, I'm feeling, you know, great. It's like, it was like, that's why you do everything right. And we get up there and he's like, Hey guys, how's it going? We're like, Oh, pretty good. you know, beautiful day. And he's like, yeah he's like do you guys hear much we're like yeah actually early we did but there's just so many people we got run out and whatever we kind of tell him that whole story he's like yeah i talked to a guy he shot a nice bird down here and blah 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 and then he eventually asks can you guys show me your hunting license and we all show him our hunting license and he's like okay and he's like well i just got a couple questions for you guys and i was like oh man okay and he's like um what's uh What's that turkey fan in the back of that car right there? Is that your guys' fan? And we're like, and then it starts dawning on me, and like, oh, we got all these turkey parts. We've been traveling yeah. around from state to state at this point. We have <clears> not <throat> taken a day off, and yeah. we are a month in. So we've yeah. got turkey parts everywhere. I mean, yeah, up at that point, we had, you know, shot or filmed like probably pushing. You know, over five for sure turkeys. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. Ben's like, Oh, that's mine, you know. I shot up in Virginia a couple of days ago and we traveled up here and you know, we're just yeah. drying that fan out. So this is another thing that everybody should always do because it was very yeah. easy, is I have screenshots of all the confirmation numbers of all the turkeys that oh, I, I ever a deer. Same with Ben and it's just like here this is exactly what that is and we just showed him and showed him that and then he's like okay so what's this turkey foot laying on the ground (laughs) dude in the in the midst of the morning stress we were apparently just pulling anything and everything out of the vehicles and just dropping (laughs) it on the ground and there's like i think there was a turkey foot a vest the turkey fan <laughs> was in the back of his vehicle, but like we just finally <laughs> were like, man, like, and and I also have a weird memory of being able to tell you exactly the dates of you know, yeah, when I, yep. when I sh- so, so I was like, I shot a turkey in Alabama on March whatever, and then I shot another one on March whatever, and it's just like, and then here's all the confirmation codes for those, and I showed it the guy, and he's just like, pretty quickly realized, okay, these guys aren't messing around. It just like yeah. was a funny scene. So then we leave. And it was just like, man, I never thought about any of that. You know, we're kind of cracking up about how funny it was that, yeah, I mean, in his defense, why wouldn't you ask questions about that? It looks pretty weird, right? A bunch of tur- On opening day of turkey season, a bunch of turkey parts laying by these guys' vehicles. For sure. And uh, we're driving. We go pick up my vehicle. <laughs> and we're just getting there. And we get a text message. And it just says, hey, guys, this is officer so-and-so. You guys left your GoPro laying on the ground. <laughs> Dude, I'm talking just feeling so stupid about the whole thing. Like, not didn't do anything wrong, obviously. But just, yeah. you know, feeling like such a dingus. And, oh, man, that was so funny. Just
1: total yard sale, stuff all over the place. And like. it,
0: that's when it was like, yeah, we need to, like, go back to ohio and go Ooh. to ben's house and just take a breather here and just yeah kind of reset because obviously at that point things were getting beyond normal in the brain yeah
1: but. oh dude I, you know that that even reminds me a little bit of uh
0: oh man it would have been like the last year
1: i was at midwest whitetail when luke cook interned yeah and it was like day i don't know 198 of <laughs> waterfall hunting what it would seem like <laughs> And, and Luke left his, his uh, pistol on the roof. Oh, <laughs> Remember this? Yeah, he, he I he forgot about away. that. I don't think he ever found that pistol. I, like, I think that thing is just like, I mean, I'm, this might be an incriminating podcast at this <laughs> point because he, like that thing's just gone. I'm sure he figured it out. I mean, that's been, what, now uh, six years ago, seven years ago? Yeah. but still just crazy man
0: but it's so easy to do stuff like that it, it I mean, is the binoculars are the easiest i think to do that if you don't wear mm-hmm. a harness like if you're just if you're just running loose like this yeah. this is a dangerous game to be playing because you do For one sure. of those and you jump back in the vehicle i i yeah. was with my buddy one time and um we were actually this place we were hunting we were actually driving into west virginia to come out and back into ohio this is way back in college do you ever yeah meet my friend brad yeah i don't know i think i did meet him is he he's real not tall, the one that... real okay. tall guy that he he lived in minnesota for a little bit but okay i don't know that you I, actually, I know the name yeah yeah i'm sure i talked about him i don't know if i ever yeah. met him but um we were going back and driving down the four lane highway and all of a sudden, I mean, we're going fast and we'd been going fast.
1: We've been driving for One speed, baby. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we just hear, boom, boom. and it's like, what was. And Brad goes, binoculars, and pulls over <laughs> to the side of the freeway, jumps out, runs back, and finds his binos, and they somehow didn't break. I think they're a vortex.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There we go. There we go. <laughs>
0: but it was Dude, like, that's wild. It was pretty funny and it's just funny how you remember those things like in the moment as soon as it happens it's like
1: yeah that's what and i did know, right you know exactly where it is what it is and, and when you left it there even though like you forgot about it for 20 minutes or whatever yeah oh man yeah I've, dude i've uh i mean how many times have i've left the driveway with my bow like sitting by the you know front door and it's like i get like 10 minutes down the road and all of a sudden it just like dawns on you turn around, get the bow, or whatever it is.
0: I was in uh, Alabama in 2018. It was technically the first year of the THP Turkey Tour. And we had been sitting on the road waiting for a pickup. Like, at that time, we were doing a lot more, mm-hmm. like, dropping guys off and trying to save yeah. save as much driving time as possible because, you know, we were extremely broke at that point. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we were sitting there kind of just, like, tired and i remember handing my shotgun to greg it's just that classic hunting with your buddies deal or it's like hey let me hold your shotgun you know and let me yeah. look down the bead and he's doing that and then he put it down and i'm not blaming him it is not his fault but this is the reason that it slipped my mind is he put it down and it was not in the open camo shotgun laying in the taller grass off to the side of the road well we hop in and we start driving down the road and i think we're going to a different spot we go to get out and i'm just like i don't have my shotgun and i knew right in that moment what had happened this is laying on the side of the road on some public (laughs) ground somewhere it's like that's a dangerous that's a dangerous deal too because like you come back and i mean this didn't happen but you come back and it's gone then you're really hurting you know
1: yeah definitely man my my 870 that i still use like that. That when you look down the, the, the rib on that thing, like the vent the rib actually has a little bit of a jog to the right and then it straightens back out. <laughs> Does it because, really? It, because when I was like – I mean, I, it was probably – I was probably 12 years old. It would have been my first year <laughs> hunting ever. And I – my my dad is not a turkey hunter at all. Like, he has he still never killed a, uh, a turkey. I'm really? hoping to change that this year. Um, but that's a whole different thing. But anyways <laughs> – it was my, my real good buddy Luke. It was his, yeah. his dad that kinda got me into turkey hunting. <clears throat> and, and and this guy, like you gotta I gotta paint the whole picture. Like Bob is my, my buddy's dad. Bob is a retired firefighter and he's like your quintessential you know, like, ah, oh, we'll get up, we'll, we'll get a mid morning start on these things. Like, we pull in, and it's like birds are just gobbling everywhere. It's been daylight for 45 minutes, you know? And we're like trying to get stuff loaded up, you know, real quietly. He's driving a uh, uh, Chevy Astro van with a car, like full carpet, a TV, like a, a box looking like TV in there. Um, the seats actually, like, kind of rotate. You can, like, turn around. It was like a living room on wheels. We called it the shagging wagon. And, uh, <laughs> and this thing, like, it's, it's uh, mainly white, but then it has, like, that 70s, like, green with, like, then a lighter green and then almost, like, yellow stripe that goes, like, horizontal.
0: Just totally sick.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> like, something, like, if you could find that right now, like, you would want it real bad, Oh, uh, yeah. And, uh we're like getting stuff loaded up we got the back of the the van doors like open they kind of open like uh like regular doors you know it's not like a hatchback where it comes up they just open out and i had my 870 leaning up there unloaded i'm like putting on my turkey vest and i'll never forget like bob grabbing the door and just starting to like slam it and i'm like trying to talk quiet because i'm like oh my god my god and he like just and then he just doubles down and gives it another one so like when you look at the shotgun barrel like throughout the vent rib obviously there's those individual like cutouts well you can see where that door just pinched one and the rib just went like just goes straight down like that and i remember when that happened i'm like i gotta I'm going to have to buy a different barrel because it's going to bug me seeing this thing look like that. I'm so glad I never bought a different barrel because Sounds it just story. adds, yeah, it adds so much more personality to that gun. Like it's yeah. my favorite shotgun, you know, I actually did get a new, new gun this year did you? that I feel like, I feel kind of weird about like using it, you know, cause I've, I've literally never killed a bird with anything other. I mean, I guess I killed a handful with my bow. Will you oh. filmed me shoot that one with, mm-hmm. with bow. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cut it in half. Um, but uh, yeah, I've never shot a bird with a, with a gun with any other gun other than that one. But it's also getting, It's. I mean, it's so similar to warbs. Like that mm-hmm. thing has been used so many times where if I keep using it, I know I'm literally like going to have to replace the stock on it. Mm-hmm. So the plan is I still want to shoot a bird with that thing every year. Like I'll probably always take it out on opening day and try to at least shoot one turkey with it every season. But then I'll probably switch out to this, you know, new thing that I got. What'd you get? I got a a Franke um, Affinity. It's they're sweet. It's dude, it's so much lighter than that 870. That's the thing. So it's I got a 12 gauge. I was in between 12 and 20, um,
0: and I went. I was looking. You thought, damn it, I'm just more of a man than that. I gotta go 12. (laughs) Exactly.
1: exactly. (laughs)
0: I I mean I, I had that thought
1: and I'm like yeah you know I have a man, so <laughs> but no so I I ended up going with a 12 just because it's like if I ever do get you know I don't right now I dude the last time I ducked or goose hunted it's probably when we interned or when when, mm-hmm. when we interned might as well have been an intern <laughs> <laughs> when we worked down at Midwest was probably the last time I did any type type of waterfall hunting mm-hmm. so. I'm like, well, maybe if I get into that again. I know I'm
0: not, but <laughs> I think it's one of those deals too, where you just never know. You're you're not wrong for thinking that. And if you want to minimize mm-hmm. how many guns you have, and it's funny because I recently my newest obsession, and I haven't done anything, I haven't acted on this at all, but I've been researching and picking up as many different guns, rifles specifically for deer and elk hunting is what I'm yeah. hoping to use them for as possible. Because I think that like kind of on the flip side of the idea of, I want to have a gun for every application. Yeah. You can switch in and out depending on what strategy you're, you're using. For example, if I'm on more of a casual spot and stock, not casual, but like a am doing a lot of glassing, a lot of open country yeah. rifle hunt, I want something that I can, you know, be confident out in a longer range, put a you know, bigger, bulkier, fancy scope on it. I was actually yep. holding my buddy's last night. He's got a thirty yacht six with the I don't know which vortex scope it is, but it yeah. is so sick. There's all the you know, all the little yeah. marks. But it was like a six by fifty by twenty four, maybe. Is that right? Six to twenty four by six, fifty. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's probably the the Viper hst maybe hs but or sorry viper hst or hslr one of the two i if i, if I were
0: guessing whatever it is it was sick <laughs> and yeah i want something like that for I, what i think i want to get is a 300 win mag that's where i'm at right now too man yeah i think that like it to me it just makes sense i can do anything with it and it, I feel like it's a gun that I could quickly get set up to you know cover my two hundred three hundred yard very well, and then as oh, I yeah. continue to get more experience with it, I can continue to lengthen that out and I mean, I know there's obviously tons of opinions on like long range shooting, <laughs> but I do enjoy shooting a rifle like I've told you hundreds of stories about groundhogs when I was a kid, yeah, I like doing that and I feel like just having a gun for that application would be really fun for mule deer and elk specifically, but then I want a fast gun too. So I've been really looking into the Remington 7,600 pump action. rifles. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, I've also been kind of looking at the Tika T3 extra light as one that, uh, buddy, you know, John and I's buddy, Shane Kramer, he's a muzzleloader. He was recommending that gun and I held one and it's pretty slick. It's just Dude. now I'm overwhelmed with options and it's yeah. like, where do I want to, you know, which one makes the most sense for right now. Yeah. But I, I just need some rifles to deer hunt with cause I'm still using the 450 and a muzzleloader only yeah. and for out West, especially I need to expand, but I was Definitely. thinking 300 win and a 30 out six is kind of what I'm interested in
1: yeah i have uh i have a tika t3 light yeah. and and i absolutely love it i got it i just got it this last year uh-huh. and um i got ended up getting it in six five creed
0: uh-huh.
1: um that's and I what like he that has a lot. too
0: that's what shane has. yeah
1: yeah I, I went that route for a couple reasons like i wanted something that Chantel can use when she wants to deer hunt that's going to be mild enough recoiling that she can you know get comfortable with it Chantel's definitely like you know, not as comfortable around guns as she is like shooting your bow in the backyard. Yeah. So I wanted it to be something that she could like actually spend time shooting at the range and like put a bunch of rounds downrange and get comfortable with expecting what recoil is gonna be, operation, all that stuff. And those Tika's are so dang accurate out of the box. And those the I'm sure Shane kinda mentioned this, but man, the actions, like the bolts are just so smooth. Yeah. Um so I like that's that's what uh what i went with but then when we were in alaska this year i brought a 300 wind mag up there and and after
0: the man uh, gun
1: yes exactly (laughs) and we we did that (laughs) we did that because we're like jesus like these these blacktails that we're hunting there i mean they're little labrador sized deer like they're Uh, not huge they are bigger than i gave them credit for i actually got the
0: skull sitting right here. yeah I'm sure dude. we're probably going to talk about that some, huh? Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: But, I mean, dude, so I, we brought a uh, 300 Win Mag. We all brought 300 Win Mags up there. We all brought the same gun um, because we thought, like, if one of our guns go down, like, we want to be able to swap, you know? So, we had three guns that are owned by Vortex um, that we just all brought up there, and... I was very hesitant on like getting it, like being comfortable with that thing, but it had a muzzle brake on it. Cause I'm like, I mean, we, we joke about the man gun. I can't shoot a man gun real well. <laughs> like I shoot that six, five, three more months better. But, uh, but, so we, these things have, uh, they all had muzzle brakes. Uh-huh. and dude, unbelievable. Like genuinely the 300 wind mag with a muzzle brake had less recoil than my six five creed without a muzzle break, hmm. um, and the reason that we brought three hundreds up there is because brown bears are just all over the place. So we're like, we're not bringing the three hundred for the Labrador sized blacktail. Okay. We're bringing the three hundred in case stuff hits the fan and we do need to, you know, anchor a
0: big old, <laughs> you know, brown bear, which we saw right away. Like they were all over the place up there, <laughs> dude. Yeah, that, that's a. Uh, I, I feel like that's the thing about it for me is whether it's for that reason or it's just simply the reason of you want something that you can knock down a mature mule deer buck and an elk with in the same yeah. game same round essentially like I, I to me dumb it down you know it's yeah. it's a little bit of the theory of shooting a heavy arrow right it's like if i'm going to shoot totally. a heavy arrow why wouldn't i shoot a, you know a beefy rifle as well and that's kind of why yeah. i'm leaning towards the 300 win and a 30-06 and like yeah. you said with the muzzle break you know and i know it's <clears throat> so, something that i really want to dive into the topic with you at some point yeah. uh, not necessarily to record but for my own personal uses i know, I know right you where you're going with spoke this spoke highly of the ear plug things yeah i need that badly because when i'm hunting yeah. with my 450
2: well, you—it was your gun. Yep. No,
0: it's your gun. Yeah, that 450 is too loud. Like it, I it's don't like that. And I know, I know, hey man, maybe maybe there's some more, you know, man out there that yeah. doesn't bother him. But <laughs> that, I do not like that. I, yeah, I mean, because when I shot that buck, uh, this guy here, the Ohio one with Ben yeah. a couple of years ago, I shot him and he goes down, and it was just immediate. Ee- And I couldn't hear him rolling. And when I watched the footage back, you can hear him rolling on the ground. Yeah. But I couldn't hear that. And it's it's so funny. When I watch the video, it's way different than my memory for the first, like, 10 seconds because I was just deaf. Even when I say, you can hear him rolling, and I'm saying, I think he's laying right there, Ben. But all that time, I couldn't hear anything. So I need some sort of ear protection because, you know – 20 30 40 years down the road that might really be a, a an issue for me if i keep oh doing man that.
1: you're 100 percent right we actually we we did a podcast with grace uh what's that one over. called um so the 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 ear pro that i used was called autopro and uh yeah listen to that podcast yeah what's the podcast
0: lip- number do you know
1: um, I'm looking it up right now. I'll find this in a second here, but it's, it's on the Vortex Nation podcast.
0: Um, that can be found see. on YouTube, right? Yep. Let's see.
1: It is episode number 245. Uh, up while you still can with, uh, Grace Thurman from AutoPro. And, yeah, I mean, you can find it on YouTube. You can find it on all the streaming platforms, all that stuff. But she is awesome. So, what we, we actually we did a really unique way of starting out that podcast where the Mark hair and I um, and Haley, who is also on the podcast, we all took hearing tests. Uh-huh. And, like, it was very telling. Like, I am on the so, – so, Mark is, you know – Mark, Mark doesn't like when we talk about his age, but he's a little older than you and I, Zach.
0: <laughs> how, old, how old is he? Throw him completely under the bus. How old is he's he? 46. He's 46. Is he really? He's 45. Gosh, he's 46 or 45. Hey, man, that, you got to be proud of that. I'd be tripping that up constantly. Great. Hell yeah. yeah I didn't know that he's 45. Yeah,
1: yeah. Hey, I'm seasoned and I look great.
0: Like, I would have yeah, guessed him as, is... man, really? I would have guessed him, honestly, upper 30s. I know I thought he was just but you know eight years older than us roughly but I wouldn't have been surprised you know yeah it's crazy man
1: he's found the fountain of youth but anyways we, we we did a podcast on that where we took this hearing test and like Mark's scores were significantly lower than mine and Haley's yeah this is it and uh it was just like it, it, it scared me because I'm like, man, if I continue on this path that I'm on and I don't do something, you know, for, for my years, man, we're in the same shirt. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to be in the same boat that Mark's in, you know, 20 years from now. Uh-huh. So Was, was actually, his
0: test lower than what yours was?
1: Yeah, significantly. Really? significantly. So, so how the test works is like, Um, you basically put on like noise canceling headphones Uh and it's, it's not a perfect science, but you basically like tap in where you hear the lowest possible sound, like at different pitches, different cadences, all that stuff. And, um, very, very interesting because like, like high pitch noises were really hard for Mark to hear because he's got tinnitus, you know? Mm -hmm. So anyways, it was, it was interesting. Definitely to the point where I'm like, hey, I'm going to invest in this stuff. I mean, hearing protection isn't cheap, but it's like I'd much rather pay that up front and and invest in like saving my ears than be like, my dad is horrendous. You know, like he's got, you know, hearing aids and it's hard to have a conversation with him. There's also like all these different studies out there where um, early onset hearing loss can, you know, lead to dementia later in life. And it's like that stuff scares me, man, because and it's so preventable. It is literally just a decision of putting something in your ear, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. And, and Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, in and, and your point, like those, those guns with muzzle brakes, they're more enjoyable to shoot because they, they recoil much less, but man, you pay a price and it is in the, the, the sound like they absolutely will blow your eardrums out.
0: Yeah. I don't notice shooting that 450, especially at an animal and really at of target either on a bench or whatever I don't notice the recoil yeah But dude I'm telling you when that gun goes off there's a wave that goes to your feet and you can feel it hit your pants like for sure I filmed my grandpa shooting it yeah we were I was about to go muzzleloader hunting and I stopped at his place and just made sure my muzzleloader was dialed and I had the 450 there too and I was like you want to shoot this thing because he hadn't shot it and I filmed him on my snapchat and dude when the gun went off, I felt it like move my pants. It's For like, sure. Whoa. And yeah. Yeah, I don't. I like... mean, what it's doing
1: is it's just dispersing, dispersing all that gas like outwards. You know, so if you're like off at an angle, like that's exactly what you're feeling, and it's 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 impressive the shock that that stuff like it's nuts, man. Like there, and just imagine what what that does year over year to your hearing. It cannot be good.
0: No, and. The way the technology is these days is so much better than the old just plug in a, yep. a foam set, which are great, but a lot of yeah. times if I can, I'll put a foam set and then I'll also put, when I'm target practicing, like a headset on. way but to do it.
1: That's definitely the way to do it.
0: The ones that Riser wears and like Ted was wearing in that elk hunt that um, yep. he went on last year, 2021, I guess, he was wearing those and he'd wear them like this. When he'd be, oh, going yeah, to hunt and stuff, so he could still hear animals, but then yep. he'd pop them on when he's about to shoot her in a close, you know, close to shooting situation. And the cool yeah. thing about that is you can still hear with them on, they just cancel. And I'm assuming that's for the sure. same for these ones that you're using now, but they're earbuds. Exactly.
1: Right? Yeah. So, so the cool thing with Grace is she'll take like a mold of your ear, she'll inject it with this stuff that actually like maps to your ear which is a wild thing in and of itself. So how do you do that? Um, Do
0: you have to go to like a specific place to get that done? Or how's that work? So you can,
1: you can, uh, if she's, if you're like, you know, she travels a lot, so she'll do things where you can, um, you know, for example, she came to vortex and did a bunch of people. That's where I did it, but that's not the primary way. You can go to like any audiologist, get a mold of your ear, send that to grace and she'll, or order And they will, you know, they'll, they'll have your mold then on file. What's cool there is once you have your mold, you can choose between any different number of like types of hearing protection. The one that I got is just the standard, um, like filtered, uh, rubber molded, like basically earplugs. I mean, they entirely cancel out noise and you do get a little bit in, you know, like you can still have a conversation, but now that she's got my mold on file, If like, whatever, let's say next year, I'm like, man, I want to invest in like the Bluetooth ones where I can like actually have a full on conversation and pick up and actually like enhance my hearing and then cancel out a gunshot. I don't need to go get my ears redone because she's already got that stuff on file, which is super, super cool. Mm
0: -hmm. I really like that
1: yeah it's it's awesome man i mean it's that's it's the way to go like you look at the cost of that stuff and i'd rather pay that up front than be dealing with it later
0: in life it's it's a hard thing to do but yeah i agree and i've thought a bunch about well i'll just slap earplugs in right the last second it's like no i'm not you know you never do especially hunting with that 450 that's a, a timber gun you know yeah all day in the timber a lot of times you don't have two minutes to fiddle around looking for your earplugs put them in line up for the shot it's like usually it's like there he is bang (laughs) you know exactly i mean with that buck i might have been able to do it but still in the moment your your instinct takes over and your instinct is not going to be oh let me lose focus here take eyes off of him while i put these earplugs in so
1: that's much more on like a spot and stock like that's actually what i did in Alaska. Like. We glassed the buck up, we knew where it was, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to put these things in, put them on, and I crept up to the ledge, and I mean, that buck was right underneath me, and
0: the rest was kind of history. Hey. Like, I went, dude,
1: that, that hunt was something else. It was. We should we should talk
0: about that, but before we yeah. talk about that, I might have to hit the bathroom, take a leak real quick, because yeah. son got through some coffee. Bathroom break. I'm right there with you, intermission. <laughs> A lot of the world's problems get solved as they say on those phone conversations. But usually no doubt, it's just a man. bunch of friends catching up. Exactly. As dude. is right now. Yep. So along those lines, tell me anything and everything that you want to about your past season, but I know that yeah. you got a lot of cool stories from Alaska, so I think people will be interested in that.
1: Yeah. That was the definitely the crown jewel of last season, for sure. I mean it like so. To back way up, we uh, about, it was October of like 2021. Um, Sawyer, my buddy Sawyer, who you know, mm-hmm. um, called me out of the blue. He's like, hey, we might have an opportunity to go to Alaska. And our, our other mutual friend, Brad Brooks, who owns Argali, which makes like ultralight tents, trekking poles. And then they also have like a media entity of their business. Um, they invited Sawyer, Mark and I up to Alaska on a, uh, at that time, what was actually going to be a caribou hunt and we were like super stoked. Um, so we started like planning things out. Plans kind of evolved over time and we, we landed on a blacktail hunt for a couple of reasons. One, it's, a, it's more affordable Two, It's like, it's something that, uh, you can tangibly go do with a big group and like expect pretty high odds that people are going to actually fill their tag. Mm-hmm. Um, which that's not what it's all about, but it is fun. But like it's I, I would put it up there it's similar to like um oh some of the like Montana deer hunts that I've done with like my dad and a bunch of his buddies. Like we're not out there looking for like the biggest buck in the county. We're looking for a buck, we're camping in a wall tent and we want to fill up the buck hole mm-hmm. Um whereas this is kind of similar in, in theory to that. So long story short, we ended up um we left August 21st of this past year. And we were up there for, I think, eight days. <clears throat> we, we hunted for six. I think we were there for a total of nine. And, uh, we, we flew in, got brought in on a float plane, just coolest thing ever. And, um, this is, you'll, you'll appreciate this story, but I, I can't like not bring this up. When we're talking about this trip so i am very prone to motion sickness i've never been on a float plane before and i was so jacked up i was also kind of prepping for like being under caloric intake for the next 10 days by like just eating and carb loading a ton of food so the morning that we flew out mark and i are sitting in a uh, hotel like diner and i'm just making like peanut butter like toast just like just more eat. peanut butter just, just eat, easy eat peanut butter <laughs> toast. dude i i probably ate like dude between like eight and ten eight and a dozen slices of of toast with peanut butter on it and uh then i threw more peanut butter it was like the little skippy packets through them in my top lid of my backpack and i like, thought oh, these would be great on the, on the hill and uh we're flying out there <clears throat> and it was kind of rough weather like it was rainy it was windy gusty and it wasn't exactly a smooth ride
0: out and yeah, that kind of scares me to be honest is the oh dude the small plane stuff is probably pretty intimidating
1: and, and you're you're kind of packed in there like sardines you know yeah. like you don't really have a whole lot of room and i'm kind of claustrophobic as it is and i'm sitting in the window seat in the back and marcus to my left and then mike another guy on our team camera guys like to is marks left we're all wearing waiters and then we have rain jackets on over really the top because it's pouring rain and we're gonna get off this plane and immediately be in a torrential downpour setting up a tent so I'm like we're all we're all like buttoned up ready to go and as you know that stuff doesn't breathe incredibly well so I'm sitting there like kind of you know packed in there tight every little bump you know I'm feeling it and I start getting the cold sweats and oh, no. um, and next thing you know, dude, I, 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 dry heave and I came back up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be fine after I, I like did that initial dry. heave, And for like a minute, I was like, totally okay. And then all of a sudden we hit another bump and it just, boom, I started throwing up. Willie, our pilot hands <laughs> me a Yeti cup, like this exact cup, not this exact one, but this exact size. And he's like, get it in the cup. So I'm throwing up in this thing i fill this (laughs) up in like one heave one barf one barf exactly i take the lid to put it on (laughs) to like cap it up and it created like a vacuum and it just sprayed it all over mark (laughs) mark is a germaphobe and then it hit me again and i just (laughs) dude i just i threw up everywhere
0: all over the plane like there was so much puke it was horrendous I can't believe it. No, I I exactly can't believe it. It's just so, it's so not surprising. If, for those that are listening, if you knew Eric as well as I do, that whole story, even just, even the fact that it went on to Mark initially, that's also not surprising, of course. Yeah. That's so funny.
1: And like the peanut butter too. Like, dude, the whole plane smelled like Uh, peanut butter. And we're, we're.
0: That might make me take a break from peanut butter for a bit, to be
1: honest. (laughs) (laughs) We're in, like, brown bear country, and Mark gets off the plane smelling like a peanut butter (laughs) sandwich. Smelling
0: like bear bait.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So, dude, I mean, that's how the trip started. And um, from there, it was uh, – the initial plan is we wanted to fly into, like, a high country lake. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's lakes all over Kodiak. And you can either fly into the ocean or you can fly up high and get in on one of these, like, high, like, alpine-type lakes. That was the initial plan. But we had camera gear. We had a lot of folks. So we couldn't actually get up that high. We had to land on the ocean and then climb up from there, which, I mean, it was, dude, it was, a, it was a, like, I forget what the elevation was that we did. I think we did, like, 3,000 feet and, like, within two and a half miles of, like, horizontal distance. So it was, I mean, just, like, straight up. So love we get up, oh man, it was so fun. It was, it was incredible. I mean, it was steep. Like you worked your absolute butt off and when you're, you're hiking through the, the alders and stuff, you know, it's like, just picture like chest high, like raspberry bushes. Like it's the best thing that and it's soaking wet, you know? And it's just like an absolute grind getting up there. Um, but everyone is just so jacked up to get up because as soon as you get up, like now that's when your hunt starts, you know? So we're like, we're cruising up this hill, you know, and we finally get up there, get camp set up and we're like, like clouds are kind of in and out, you know, you can all of a sudden you'd be able to see like across the bay, like, you know, for forever away. But then all of a sudden, like, uh, you know, fog would roll in and you couldn't see anything. So anyways, we're getting the tent set up and we spot this like giant buck. I mean, he's like probably half mile away and blacktails aren't like the biggest. They're not known for having huge racks, mm-hmm. but we can see the rack on this thing from like, I mean, he's easily over a mile away, mile and a half away. And we can see, by, see the rack on this thing from that distance. So we're like, okay, there's a giant up there. Um, and we we broke the the like group into two different groups so sawyer hunted with brad and jason from our golly and then mark and i hunted with coop and uh, cooper long and mike wozniak from from our team they were they are videoing it so for people following along like we'll have a full video of this thing that goes out on the vortex youtube channel in uh in august of this coming year so that'll be a really cool place where people can actually like you know see this thing go down but anyways um, the first day we, uh, we, you know, split up. Sawyer goes up to the next hill with, uh, Brad and, and Jason and Mark and I are like the total opposite direction. And, uh, long story short, like we saw a huge buck. We're trying to make a move on it. Cause he was the same a, buck that you saw. It's a different buck, but still a really good one. Sawyer actually was in the direction of that really big one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um you know, we, we ended up spooking this one that I was after. He was basically on this knob in the middle of like, just wide open. Like it, the, the best way to visualize this is like for anyone that's watched like some, like the New Zealand stuff, you know, where it's just like on the high Alpine stuff. It's a little bit shorter grass, but then as soon as you get off the main peak main ridge line, you're back in that like real thick, um, alders and, uh, Gosh, there's a, there's a, I'm totally blanking on the name of this berry, but there's a berry up there that like Alderberry, I forget what it is, but, um, that's, that's more the, of that
0: chest high, like head yes. high type of freaking out. Cause there might be a bear within 30 yards of you type of stuff.
1: Ex- exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But this thing's just bedded out on the wide open, you know, and we kind of end up making a move at them. The closest we could get was like just over 500. It's day one. Didn't really feel like you know just sending one at 500 yards on the first thing, Rick didn't. Uh, sling. Dude, I know. Well, here, this was the plan. As soon as I can get under 450, I was gonna let it go. <laughs> <laughs> we got the 474 and ended up, ended up bumping that thing and got out of there. And I mean, it was it was it all worked out for the best because to make a very long story short, we're sitting up there kind of um you know just like kind of regrouping and the thing the the only caveat that i would say is like obviously this is day one of the hunt but weather on kodiak is so unpredictable you might be sitting there and seeing bluebird skies and literally 15 minutes later it's just torrential downpour you're fogged in you can't see more than literally 50 yards so like in any
0: high elevation situation that's just way more prevalent because like exactly we have that when we're all coming sometimes where it's just perfectly clear and a lot of times in the summer in colorado they call it the monsoon season in the mountains where it's like i and i've seen it every day day in and day out one o'clock just storm comes through and then by evening again it's sunny but it's like pretty pretty crazy how quick it changes for sure and And what elevation were you at exactly do you remember not
1: super high. We were probably at right about thirty five hundred. I, I think, guess you're by here. the ocean, right? It's we're like... by the ocean, so you're hiking in from sea level, mm-hmm. and then I'll actually look here. I'll just pull it up on Onyx, and get like a an actual number there because it it's it's not the elevation that does it. It's the change in elevation from sea level up to where you end up hunting at. So like I'm looking at where i ended up shooting my buck and i'm at right at 2000 but again that is going up from sea level of you know basically like literally zero Mm -hmm. so well um,
0: i mean different than like colorado where you're talking you know peaks up in the 14,000. Right. Different than that, but there's the ocean. So that's a whole different factor of water and different temperatures hitting that certainly just makes it even crazier, honestly. I'm sure it's even way crazier than it is here. Oh, it was, it was insane. I mean, I'll kind
1: of, I'm going to jump to, um after I get get through what happened here in that first day like you've got the sense of urgency kind of over you you know you've got eight days to hunt it's easy to be like oh we're going to be patient we're going to hold out for a real good one but you don't know what that weather is going to do you might get eight days of literal just socked in and you pass an opportunity to shoot one on the first day it's like man on day eight, you're really going to be kicking yourself mm. at that. So that's why we kind of had the sense of urgency. So we're kind of regrouping. We hear we hear a gunshot across the valley, like on the next ridge. You hear one shot, then all of a sudden another shot, another shot, and a fourth shot. And We're like, what the heck just happened? We're like, and four shots. Like,
0: is that for sure Sawyer and his crew?
1: Yeah yeah because there is
0: like nobody
1: out here like we our our pilot flew over everything kind of showed us and like there's no other camps or anything i mean we we totally had that to ourselves and uh, i mean you are out there alone like you totally disconnected i mean to the point where like when you hear a plane it's like whoa (laughs) you know like you're kind of like taken back by like like it's a it's a memorable thing when you hear a plane yeah so you're that just disconnected but anyways we hear these gunshots we hunt the rest of the day get back to camp and there's three bucks laying there
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, so sawyer shot a, a nice buck and then jason who he was with also killed one and then Sawyer like took his eye you'll have to watch and and this part of it will actually be on the Argali YouTube channel so we kind of did like a little like collab type thing so Sawyer's hunt is going to be on Argali's channel and in the transition of Sawyer killing the first buck to then Jason killing the second Sawyer picked his eyes back up looking back where his buck was and sees this other buck and assumes that it's his buck that has now gotten its legs underneath him so he grabs his rifle boom shoots again and anchors this thing come to find out. And he had two tags, which is why this ended up being perfect, you know, but he killed two absolute studs. And the second one is like the first one that he killed was like a very, very nice buck. Uh The second one that he killed is like a giant, like heavy palmated. Um, I think it was a four by three. Um, just like beautiful, beautiful buck. So we get back to camp, we're riding that high momentum. Um, the next day we had kind of like real crummy weather, you know, just totally switch and pretty uneventful day in general. The third day we, uh, we get out and that was going to be like our window, like the whole week going into it. We like, we we kept saying like, as soon as we hit Tuesday, like Tuesday, Wednesday, that's going to be our window to really, you know, fill some tags. So we kind of had the sense of urgency for those two days. The weather was good. Um, and we hunted that morning pretty fogged in couldn't see a whole lot get back to camp for for lunch you know we were basically day hunting out of our camp like we we had a base camp at the ocean and then we hiked way up to the ridge we camped at the ridge the whole week like we never came down until we were to base camp until we were done mm-hmm. um but then we would just day hunt out from our our uh, spike camp up top so when you hear like returning to camp that's what i'm referring to so we came back to our spike camp regrouped and uh brad and sawyer and jason had just got back and there and we're sitting there at camp all kind of having a conversation you know middle of the day weather's kind of coming out and we glass up on that initial peak where on day one we saw that giant buck and we see a bunch of deer up in that same area don't really know like what they are we just know that there's a bunch of deer so we make plans to we're going after them so mark and i are are heading up that way with uh coop and mike we get eyes on these things and um we can see two on this like initial hillside way up high like what like i don't even know how to describe it other than just like an open vista that kind of comes up to like a peak and they're like looking down so we finally we took a, a rock slide up and, and around to where we finally got up and the closest we could get was 424 yards and it was windy as heck like wind was really cooking through there and i i get set up on these things they're they're nice bucks like they're one was a three by three the other one was like a real solid two by two both like totally the kind of buck that you're after you're gonna be excited to shoot so I'll get set up, get on the backpack, I'm feeling great. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a crack at these things. And I, I fully, I mean, was shooting that gun so well that I expected to just absolutely fold that thing. And I knew that as soon as we would have exposed ourselves from that cut where we were kind of hiding behind and set up on, we would have blown these things out. We also did know that there was a bigger group of deer like kind of out and around that basin on a little secondary Ridge that went out basically over the ocean.
0: But you got terrain um, between you and those other deer. Exactly. A lot, a lot
1: of terrain and a lot and probably about a thousand yards of distance. So there is a decent amount of ground between us and them.
0: So that's kind of a plan B even.
1: It, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I take a shot at these bucks that are at 425 refuel, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I take a shot at these bucks that are at 425 and mark was was uh watching through the binos and we can't even see where the bullet impacted and h- hindsight what ended up happening i took a second shot then because i'm just like dead on these things like feeling absolute rock solid and you've been Shoot shooting again.
0: a gun you know that you're oh on. man
1: and this thing i mean when i say this is the best shooting gun i've ever shot like it is it was unreal like what, i mean what make and model is it it was a Nosler 21 in uh, chambered in 300 wind mag. And uh, we were shooting Nosler acubons out of that thing. And they were just, I mean, absolute tack drivers, like sub, sub MOA. I mean, like something about the, like your, your group would be at 100 a hundred yards of the diameter of like the first digit of your, your uh, pointer finger. Like you could cover it all up with that. So I'm, I felt I had all the confidence in the world. So then i took that second shot and missed again and we're just like it's not worth it you know the deer at that point then it stood up and they, they weren't like totally spooked you know and talking to mark like one those deer just don't see people like we were genuinely probably the first people that those deer had ever seen two they live up at this high elevation all summer where it's raining all the time they hear thunder all the time and they're not associating the fear of a gunshot with a human those deer just kind of stood there and eventually they walked up to the very peak of the mountain where they could like see out over everything um which was actually pretty interesting it, had, it reminded me a lot of like hill country whitetails how they'll like bad and look down over stuff so those things are out of the equation now we know that other group of deer is uh you know kind of around this little like like peak and then on this point so that's our backup plan. We start hiking over there and Do we know, get to
0: point. Did, did you figure out anything like what you were doing wrong or? Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So that's a really good question where we were sitting,
1: we were kind of covered up by these rocks that we were like, we were laying prone and had the backpack set up. Mm-hmm. Picture a little peak that then drops down and goes way up to the next peak. Mm-hmm in that peak that in in that valley the wind is just kicking up the mountain and it was like as soon as we got over there like like on that exposed hillside i mean it's like your your hat's blown off everything i mean like Hmm. 30 40 mile an hour winds so after looking at the footage i was impacting perfect up down but just you know maybe 16 inches out in front of those deer which would have been left of where i was where i was aiming yeah which so, how
0: do you even really compensate for that if you're not feeling it directly where you're at which is exactly interesting and even looking at the deer you know
1: because what what i was shooting through was literally just open airspace because looking at the deer the grass on the ground where they were laying wasn't really moving a whole lot mm-hmm to imply that they were pretty, you know, in a, in an area that wasn't get exposed to the wind, but it was all that stuff in between that, that was pushing that bullet.
0: That's an interesting thing. And I, something that I definitely need to learn more about in general is even if you can predict yeah. the wind, like how to, how to use that to compensate. But yeah, that's really yeah. interesting. I mean, how would you ever know in a situation yeah. like that? Man, I mean, there
1: is without going down a total rabbit hole, there's ways you can do it by reading Mirage in like some of the environments where you're actually like glassing something. The guys that are really good at shooting long range, which I am not, you know, it's just not my world. Mm-hmm. Um, they can actually read wind speed by like if you ever take your binos on a really warm day and just look at like a black top or something like that out there at distance you'll see yeah you'll see that mirage and if it's you'll see it moving like right to left left to right or whatever which is your wind direction and then you'll see like different spacings in those those lines it'll look like you know spaced out or closer together there's a way that the guys that are great at long range shooting can actually predict wind speed based on how close those mirage lines are to one another it's way over my head and it's stuff that i really don't know anything about but i've i'm fortunate to work with a lot of guys that are great at long-range shooting and they've talked about that and it's just like it's a totally different world
0: i'm sure you, you guys know? have podcasts about
1: stuff like that too huh oh yeah for sure we've got a ton of we've got a whole long-range series uh i think it's a four episode series of just you know beginner long-range shooting out to like the f-class guys that are shooting you know out to like extreme long range and when when i say e, that's elr so that's that's like well past a thousand yards some of those guys are pushing you know like some guys can shoot a mile which is just bizarre to me you know
0: it's, <laughs> sweet. it's sweet and i think where it really gets interesting is it's not at that point, like, well, before that point, but definitely at that point, it's not about how steady and how smooth your trigger pull is even anymore. It's about understanding all these different variables that we're talking about. And that's like you said, where it's totally oh, gone man. over my head too. Cause yeah. I don't know anything about any of that stuff really. Yeah.
1: There's just this environmental aspect to long range shooting that to your point, it's, it, it becomes less about the gun, the the system that you're controlling, not to minimize the importance of that, but it becomes even more important on your ability to read environmental indicators. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, man, I mean, so anyways, that's why I missed those two shots. And after kind of like, that's the cool thing is having it on film, we could go back and look at it and actually understand what happened there. Um, so we start making a play at the second group of deer and Mark had got a glimpse at them before. Like, I, I still hadn't really seen, like, what they were. I, I knew there were bucks in there. I didn't know what the bucks were. And Mark's like, oh, man, one of those things is an absolute giant. Like, absolute giant. We're thinking the buck from day one, uh-huh. you know. So, the best way to describe this is, like, it looks fairly flat once you're up on this ridge top, But there's little rocky outcroppings up there that a deer can hide in Mm -hmm. very similar to like your North Dakota buck a couple years ago. Like if anyone's hunted, like the badlands areas, um, you'll see those like sheer drop-offs. And basically the way to describe that then is as you're coming over a drop-off, you can see the things that are down, but you can't Mm -hmm. see what's directly under you.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, unless you get literally right on the edge and look straight down. So I had seen the back of a deer kind of creep behind this rock and At that point, I'm like, okay, I know that's where the group of deer are. took my backpack off, got my ears in, I've got my gun kind of loaded and ready to go. And I'm just like creeping up there with my gun, with my backpack, wanting to shoot off the backpack and kind of like losing elevation. And with, as I kept decreasing my elevation, that would open up more for me to see below me. And I eventually, I see a doe and I've got no cover at this point. Like I'm just in the wide open, but all the deer, I'm up above them and they're looking below them they're all bedded i mean it's literally the perfect situation so i'm just like creeping 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 and uh, there's a doe out on the point looking out over the valley where they're back to me and then i see a, a nice buck um look in that same kind of position looking out over the valley and i'm like okay that's a nice buck, one that i will definitely shoot but i know that that really big one's in here so I'm still kind of creeping down, trying to find this big one, kind of like hunting my way down. But this is all like, you know, you're just ready to go at any minute. And basically, at any
0: point, are you trying to throw sand in Mark's eyes or anything so you can get the big one and he doesn't? (laughs) (laughs) So Mark,
1: Mark basically told me, he's like, hey, man, I've shot these things before. I want you to shoot one um so he's like you're up he's like no matter what he's like you're shooting first even after totally airballing those shots at that other one he's like <laughs> That's you're up
0: cool of him yeah so, he's a cool dude you know so.
1: he, he is cool after all yep. <laughs> so i'm kind of like creeping down and get to the edge and before i can find this big buck all of a sudden i don't know if i must have kicked a rock or something made some noise all of a sudden that buck this this the smaller of the two i still haven't found the big one i haven't even gotten eyes on him yet all of a sudden the smaller one just picks it like whips his head back and is looking right at me and i'm like i have to make a decision right now and i'm like i I know that big one is in here but i mean like, sand is falling out of the hourglass real fast at this point and i need to make a decision at this exact moment so when that buck snapped around he's still laying down but you can just you know how you can read a buck's body language oh, yeah i mean you no know, it's, it's time i mean his eyes are real wide and he's like exactly just like ready to make a move at any second so i he's right more, away it's get like
0: the, he's probably more or less waiting for to see what you're gonna do before he exactly. makes his move even he knows now something's up
1: yeah so i was out of moves there was nothing i could do to continue looking for that big buck so right away gun comes up on the backpack I checked with the camera guys for, like, a split second if they were maybe recording, (laughs) and I shot. And this thing is, like, right on the edge. I Uh mean, when when I say edge, like, if he runs to to the edge, he is going to free fall down 500 feet into that thick, crazy alder bushes, and it's just going to be potentially impossible to find him. And I've got in the back of my head the way that Alaska works is if you draw blood on an animal, you fill your tag on that mm. that on that animal. Um, I had two tags, but that you don't exactly want to like waste a tag on something that you can't recover, you know. So I'm on him. I shoot. He sta I know I hit him. Like I can just hear that like pop. He stands up. He doesn't look good. And I, I mean, in true fashion, shot him two more times. <laughs> It's actually kind of hilarious footage, like how fast it sounds like it's boom, boom, boom. Look at the bolt action, right? Nobody's surprised, though, you know? Yeah, exactly. So he's and I just did not want him getting over that edge. So I shot him once, shot him the second time, and then he was definitely done. And I put one more in him, and it anchored him. At that, Mark is like, you know, I point my gun straight up in the air unload it you know and mark slides right in front of me and he's just kind of sliding down sliding down and i'll never forget it I, I i'm like all of a sudden this buck appears out of nowhere i'm like mark giant buck and that thing watch like those shots are echoing down that valley even though the initial impact, like the initial percussion is above that deer i think that it, it was just so that deer i had no idea where that sound was coming from it runs right at us gets to like 60 yards and like turns and like I'll forever have this thing etched in my memory. That thing like quarters towards us and looks the other way. (laughs) Mark gets a gun on him and just boom and just holds this thing. And I mean it is an absolute full velvet, absolute giant, giant blacktail. So we're just like over the moon. We're excited. We're freaking out. Mark almost passes out. I've got the most hilarious video of him, like the life, like fading from his face. He was kind. Of, we tell didn't really that. Tell it.
0: that part of the story because it's so <laughs> funny. You have to. You have to. Eric's already told me this small snippet of this yeah. story a couple of weeks ago at the NWTF convention, but I feel it's, like it's, you got to share it.
1: <laughs> so it's 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 hilarious. Like we hadn't eaten anything that day, and those last. That last like hundred yards was really intense. Like it was no stopping. You're kind of making moves real quick because we knew one of those deer was actually up and moving. We didn't know what the whole group was doing. We didn't want them to get off that point where we could shoot them. So we're like exerting a ton of energy to all lead up to that shot. I don't think Mark breathed <laughs> from like the moment we saw those deer to the moment he pulled the trigger. He pulls the trigger, and I turn around and I'm like, "Dude, you just shot a giant!" And I'm like. Like, hit him in the shoulder, and I, I'll never forget how, like, it just felt like his whole body kind of went back. And he looked super pale. He's like, oh, give me give me a second the old Stan Potts line. Give me a second. He does just like, he, his whole face is white. And you're probably he not looked, even
0: registering that, like, anything other than the fact that we just killed two bucks is happening in your brain at all. Well, yeah. th- I know that's happening because I know you. So yeah. I know you're freaking out you're not registering that he's kind of in a weird space
1: and that's where this video comes in I'm so disconnected from how mark is doing that I just pulled out my phone to like capture that moment I wanted to have like our reaction to this whole thing so I'm like filming us and the camera guys and myself are all like kind of fist-pumping and then there's Mark he just he looks like he all of a sudden in the span of like 20 seconds ages 28 years and the life slowly fades out of his
0: his face <laughs> i mean it's 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 mean because he's obviously like not feeling himself yeah but it's also funny now because we know he's okay but yeah the best way i can describe it is he looks confused Like, he just looks like he doesn't even know what's going on. He's just kind of like, ah, this is fun, I think. (laughs) Just looks like he's going to pass
1: out, though. Yeah, man, and that's, I think, where it was headed. He never did pass out, so we kind of, like, regrouped. He got uh, an, like, insulated jacket on, like a down puffy jacket. Um, We just sat up there for maybe five minutes, got some water in us, ate a quick granola bar, um, everyone's then feeling good. We go down, we recover these things. Mark's is an absolute giant. Mine's a r- real nice one too. And we're just super pumped. Um, we start snapping some quick pictures. And again, true Kodiak fashion, the weather just like switches on us. And what blew in was the craziest storm I've ever been exposed to while staying outside. Yeah. Like, I've, you know, you've, I've seen crazy storms. Like when, you know, um, uh, I mean, even when we lived in Iowa, like we, have, we had a tornado come through town when we lived down there. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing that you ever had to be out in the elements in, and that's what this was. And just like gale force winds, I mean, I don't even know what the wind speeds, I don't even know what to guess, but I do know that it ripped the pack cover off one of our camera guys. And that pack cover, it, like a kite, just was like instantly gone. And within like seconds, it ruined um, a Sony FX3 camera like just like that you know Jeez. i mean it was intense so we're packing these things out we get back to the tent at like 10 30 at night and i mean it's been dar- or 11 30 at night it's been dark for forever um sawyer brad and uh jason are kind of like lighting lanterns in their tents just to like show kind of like a beacon of like hey here's where we need to go i mean obviously we had our maps but guys, phones are dying. Like, oh, yeah. phones are getting soaked. So, we're trying to be mindful of, like, you know, not ruining our devices. Yeah. Like,
0: what if situation at that point? Like, you got to be careful that. Oh, you're, yeah. You're, it's, it's, the what if is close to reality all of a sudden. Totally. So, we get,
1: we finally get back to camp. We see the tents. I mean, it was just reassuring to see that the tents were there, yeah. you know. And we got back to, to camp. I stripped down to just, you know, my, my base layers um because every i mean you're literally soaked. you and i had the best rain gear out there and it's not that rain gear's fault it's you know you're packing this thing out so you're sweating from within yeah. you know and it's just literally it's raining sideways or places where it was like it's it just unbelievable you know i remember mark when we were on the we were on this like knife writ, like blade type ridge and he's like if you start sliding just lay flat and get your trekking poles in the ground like that was a real conversation that we had you know and and he's heard stories of people getting literally just blown off those peaks you know and those those were the real thoughts that we kind of had as we were packing out so dude it was it was incredible literal adventure of a lifetime we all ended up filling our tags and the next day all of a sudden just bluebird day we we uh i have this really cool video of uh every piece of clothing that i brought up there just like airing out and drying on like trekking poles and stuff like that and the reason that video is so awesome is it just shows how like kodiak can be such a providing place but can also be a place that just takes from you Mm
2: -hmm. and in that
1: moment it was given back from what it took from us the night before (laughs) and it, it was it was incredible man i Never in a million years would have expected to ever go there. Growing up, I remember as a kid, my dad um, showed me an Outdoor Life magazine that had Kodiak Island in it, and uh, I'm, like, eight years old at the time. I can tell you exactly where I was when he, like, showed me that magazine, and I had always wanted to go experience Kodiak and never expected to do that, let alone at this stage of life where I can, like, actually do it. I figured it'd be a pipe dream for me to do, like, 15 years from now, you right. know, so just su- super fortunate, trip trip of a lifetime,
0: I mean, truly wild, wild place. Yeah, that's awesome. It sounds like true adventure and true risk-taking adventure, which, yeah, like, we do that when we're elk hunting, but this sounds like, you know, different even from the standpoint of when we're elk hunting, you know, we can... Likely hit a trail quickly. Sure, you know you're not hearing a plane even on Kodiak, and yeah, that's definitely a different aspect of it. That you know, don't get me wrong. There's been some plenty of situations, Elk Hunting, where we're so far back, it's like you know something. Somebody's really hurt. It's gonna get really crazy, really fast. And I mean, you know, you carry an in reach and stuff like that to make sure that in those worst case scenarios. Like I'm talking somebody's bleeding really badly or something like that. Like that's when that's necessary. But, you know, just the other, but on the other hand, like the comfort side of it to me is, well, there's always the trail down there. So it's like, even if somebody like rolls an ankle really bad and needs to go out, it's like, we can probably just bump into somebody with a horse or, you know, somebody else to just help get gear out, whatever. But in this situation, you know, you're up on that, up on that knife, you know, knife edge ridge packing out meat and you know i'm just visualizing the dark and the wind and the rain and like how scary that i mean that stuff's truly scary but when you're done with those situations they're some of your best memories i guess you know
1: for sure i mean it is something that like when i'm laying in bed at night and like you know your mind's like, like decompressing from a day at work or something like that. And it's like, if you ever want to like just disconnect and actually start falling asleep, it's like, that's where my mind goes. And oh. it's like, just to that, I'll like look back at a couple of videos. I'll put myself at that, like in that headspace. And next thing you know, it's like, it just, it, it really puts things in perspective.
0: I've really in the last couple of years realized how much of a daydreamer I am. And like also, mm-hmm exactly like you said, I fall asleep because I am such a big daydreamer. I can just be elk hunting or Turkey hunting or stalking in on a buck. If I want to be whatever I'm excited about coming up, I'll just put myself there and start visualizing, visualizing, executing the plan as well. And there's, you know, some real great benefits to that from being able to fall asleep to also executing the plan when you're in that situation. And, I'm sure you had sports coaches that told you as well, like go home and visualize tonight, go home, visualize, making that tackle, you know, get fielding that ground ball, making that basket, whatever it may be. Yep. And it's the same goes for hunting. I think visualizing is for one, it's a therapeutic thing. And then on the other hand, it's just, you know, really beneficial from that standpoint too. If you execute the plan in your mind, well beforehand, and you just visualize that arrow going in or pulling that trigger smooth, whatever it may be, man. I, I, there's totally, sort of man. something to that. There really is.
1: Oh, I 100 percent agree. I mean, if you if you've seen it there and done it before in your mind, it makes the actual act of doing it just that much easier. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, man, it was it was incredible. I mean, it was. What about bears? Oh man, yeah. I, so we the first day there, or the, yeah, yeah, we got off the plane. We set up base camp and we actually tried hiking up that first night or that first afternoon. And we got totally like clipped out. Like we got, we had what we thought was a, to your point about like trails and stuff, like there are no trails Mm -hmm. out there. Like it is just untouched wilderness of, Hey, we know we need to get up to this peak. There is no way to do it. And there's no like, um, formula to get there yeah other than just try it out and so we got we got clipped out that first evening so we came back to camp we were kind of dejected a little bit you know it was raining that whole day we got back to camp um my back was bothering me a little bit like i had i did a bunch of like prep on the front end of this thing and maybe about a month and a half before the hunt i kind of I don't know what I did, something, I'm sure something like a disc in my back mm-hmm. and uh stupid thing. I was literally just adjusting a uh, stake on the tent and I just like bent down to like adjust it. And I felt my back just kind of like tweak a little bit. Yep, exactly. And I was just dealing with that a little bit. So I was kind of in like a little like more jocked out mm-hmm. than anything else. I was just like unsure. I'm like, man, this is something that I've wanted to do my whole life. And now here we are the first day I've got this to deal with so anyways we're sitting at camp um i'm doing some stretches kind of trying to make my back feel better which it, it thankfully like that didn't become a thing my back ended up being a non-issue but we're sitting there eating uh freeze-dried meals that first night everyone's kind of having a good time or you know just talking about the week ahead and all of a sudden we look out across the bay and there's like a Volkswagen just like walking down the shore of just a huge sow brown bear with three cubs behind her and they're walking like right if, if they're going to continue on that path like we are on that beach that they're headed towards and they're going to be right at us so that night um we th- those those bears actually ended up kind of going off and took a little bit of a different direction the reason that those bears were down in that area is because the salmon were running like crazy and the bears are on the fish at that time of year um basically you've got the salmon running out of the big water trying to go upstream to spawn and and die you know that's how this is the life cycle of the salmon and uh the bears are just taking advantage of that stuff now you know so they're they're kind of they're localized down low um we had a bear fence around our um around our tent uh specifically around our gear tent we didn't have enough fences for like everybody's tent individually <clears throat> but it's like man you look at those fences and like the hot zone fences that we used to put up for for bill when we were at midwest whitetail those things are more robust than these bare fences that you've got up there you know because you got to be mindful of weight and all that stuff so i mean it just was kind of an eerie feeling that first night going to bed and then on day three we're sitting up at our spike camp and we can see our base camp but it's like probably three four miles away Mm -hmm. and i mean it's we're two thousand feet above it there's a ton of open air between us and that and we see two adult bears, and then was it three adult bears maybe yeah that's what it was a it was a sow with two cubs from last year so they would have been like year and a half old cubs and those ones were literally just going straight at our base camp so the whole time when we were you know the rest of the week up there we're like we don't even know if we have anything to come back to you know and i mean there are areas where you're when you're coming down through that stuff you can't see the distance of like from where i'm at to my computer screen in front of me and it's like spooky like everyone's yelling hey bear and saying stupid stuff but it's like every time someone yells hey bear it's like It really, you feel the gravity of what that, what you're actually saying. Yeah. Yeah, Cause it's like, dude, you don't know. And I I mean, it can be on you like that. It's like, it's like jungle type habitat and it's just absolutely wild.
0: I've seen some videos of it. It looks, yeah, like a pretty terrifying scene just to be walking through stuff that you just can't see very far. And I mean, nobody, I mean, I shouldn't say nobody likes that, but like, it's not a really fun thing to do even in just country where there's not even a black bear let alone when oh, there for might sure be a man damn brown bear around the I'm, brush
1: <laughs> i'm gonna try sharing my screen here i'm gonna airdrop this thing to me because yeah. i've got a video of uh of that first group of bears on the on the beach kind of coming up um and then i've got some stuff too that i can send you that just kind of shows like what how thick that stuff is because it's just like it doesn't really put it in perspective until you actually like see it in, in video.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, it,
1: it's, it's unreal. Like just, you, you cannot see hardly 10 feet.
0: What was, the, this thing. what was the protocol if one busts out the brush at point blank and comes at you? Gun spray. Yeah. What's the move? So, What's the plan? Um, <laughs> my, uh, my, my
1: plan for myself was going to be spray. I know I'm not great with a pistol. I don't really shoot a pistol. I don't own a pistol. Um, I had every intention of bringing one up there, but I'm like, man, this is just an extra thing that like in the heat of the moment, I'm not even going to go for this. I'm going to go for the spray Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's a little bit more forgiving. I had it mounted right on my chest. Granted, there's ways that you can mount your your handgun to your chest. Mm -hmm. Um, But so that that was my plan mark had a handgun too uh and spray so i think between everybody we had we had a, a handful of handguns i think we had like just in the group of of uh, mark myself coop and mike we had three handguns and four things of bear spray so we were you know we were ready and um just if the if the threat did present itself but man it wasn't something that we wanted to encounter that is for dang sure. no
0: nah, it's like it's probably more fun to say that you hunted in bear country than it is to say you <laughs> had to fight one off. I mean, it would be a crazy oh, story. Exactly, like, there's man. obviously some super cool, crazy, intense stories that people have, but like, I mean, certainly memorable things like that whole story with the uh, Ranella and the uh, and I think Remy was there, and they like yep. had the one run right through them as they were eating lunch or something. Like, those stories For are sure, sweet, man. but it's also like. A moment where you're, you gotta be certain you're dead, you know? Oh,
1: absolutely. I don't know if this is gonna work here. I'm trying to share my screen. Um, let's see here.
2: Share screen.
1: No. Quick time player, share. All right, can you see this? Uh,
0: I don't see it actually. Hmm. Which is kind of weird because I figured, I figured if it says, you could see mine when I shared mine.
1: Yeah, here, let's see if this works.
0: That's it. Um, There it is. You got it. Yep. This is just a video from my cell
1: phone, but like that's that initial saw with three cubs. That's crazy.
0: The cubs i thought were the big ones at first and then i realized that mama's up there in front totally different color yeah that's wild dude so that that stuff above them is kind of that the the thick stuff right yep exactly and uh
1: you know like there it's it's hard to even like show perspective of how steep that stuff is but man it's like, to get from where those bears are to up on, like, maybe that upper edge where you can see that transition of those, like, that woolly, like, uh, like brushy stuff. Like, that's going to take you probably 45 minutes just to get up to that stuff. Jeez. And uh, and then getting up on top of that. I mean, I've got some more videos here that I can pop in to kind of, like, show perspective. But it was just, it's incredible how, uh, how thick that stuff is. Here, I'm going to send another one in here.
0: there's a decent chance that I draw an elk tag for Grizz country this year so we'll see. I might be having oh, my yeah? first experience with it as well and I've I've been kind of mentally prepping and trying to educate myself on it and I mean it seems like one of these deals where obviously there's inevitably more risk right but yeah if yep. you're really conscious of it at all times, there's a solid chance that you can avoid really bad situations if you're conscious of it. But still, with that being said, I mean, you're dealing with a wild animal that's, you know, a truck basically. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. I mean, no, like I, nature is metal. Just shared a Instagram post the other day of one of those things. Like that's one of my favorite accounts to follow. And oh, yeah. it's like, holy crap. Like those things are, they are enormous and they're just, you don't stand a chance. Like no. it's, It's entirely up to the bear what it wants to do in that situation.
0: I mean, unless you just straight skull shoot one, you know, and hit him right in the brain, if he's still charge. I mean, even with spray, I'd say spray is your best bet because I'm in the same boat. It's like I'm probably not going to just, you know, make a perfect shot on a bear charging me, especially at point blank. But, like, yeah, the spray is going to be your best bet. And then, you know, just having – a plan, always knowing your downwind side. I mean, there's all these, there's all these things that can go into it. And there's tons of ways you can educate yourself by reading and watching videos online. And
1: definitely, sure you
0: guys did plenty of that. And having we did, somebody yeah. that has experience, like with Mark, did anybody else have experience in the area or just Mark?
1: Yeah, so Mark has been up there. That would have that was his third time. And Brad and Jason from Argali, they had they have done that. I think that was their third year in a row doing that exact hunt. So they were, those guys are super, I mean, they're, they're, they know the game, they know how to prepare for it and all that stuff. It's also hilarious when you go with somebody that has done something before, the difference in like gear that they bring, like, I just felt like I brought so much. And I, we actually, I left a bunch back at the hotel. I'm like, there's no way I can even fit this stuff on the plane, you know, on the bush plane. So I left a ton of stuff back at the hotel and I'm glad I did because, you know, I was just lucky that I could crosswalk my gear list with what like Brad and Jason, cause those guys are really dialed in. They're very minimalistic too. Um, which I think is a good thing because you always bring more than you need, you know, like you're always, you're always going to bring too much. You're never going to bring too little.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so even though it feels uncomfortable taking this stuff out and like, I'm going to leave my soft shell jacket, I'm going to leave, a uh, an extra, you know, layer of base layers. Like I'm going to leave that stuff. It feels uncomfortable. If it feels that way, it's probably a good thing mm-hmm. because you've got you've already got it. You're gonna be fine.
0: Yeah, it's like you wanna flirt with the line, right? You wanna yep. have just enough, but you also don't want to bring so much that you're gonna bog yourself down. And to your point about that, it is funny to look at our packs now compared to when we first started elk hunting in two thousand nineteen. It's just there's all these little things that you know we've ditched over the years that you know, we've found ways too to divvy certain things out, right? So yeah. Everybody having 20, you know, not 20. Well, I don't know, 20 feet of paracord. Right. You know, one guy does, or and then if that guy has paracord, then that guy doesn't have Luco tape or whatever, and it's like you kind of divvy those things out. And like another thing with hunting with a group in a backcountry setting that I've learned is important is Knowing your teammates, knowing what guy is more likely to bring certain things and communicating that, right? Because if you're hunting together and you're spike camping and you're moving with camp on your back constantly, just knowing that, you know, we're covered in these certain situations. And it it is funny because out of our group of guys at elk hunt together consistently, me, Ben and Colin have done that the most together. And it's funny because I know their tendency is to bring a sure. little bit more than me, so I can kind of skimp a little bit more. Yep. Um, I just think that that's, you know, important to know because you don't all want to be carrying too much stuff. Because at a certain exactly. point, if something does happen, somebody, like... You know, even if somebody's just hurting a little bit more, like they t- tweak their back up or they twist the wrinkle right. enough to where it's like they can still maybe help and pack meat, but like you want to divvy out the pack a little bit. It's like you just don't want too much stuff. And I think that we've just continued to get better and better and probably will continue to get better and better at knowing each other's pack and what we got. In Definitely. There. But it does. Yeah. It does, it does end up running some risk too. this year. The thing that was pretty hilarious is all of a sudden we're like, oh, like you know like last year we had too much paracord while well, all of a sudden right. this year we're kind of like like we can barely get this stuff tied up you know and it's yeah. just so stupid but yeah I mean knowing what your buddies have is really important but yeah I
1: mean that's all the stuff that like you don't really like as somebody that did that for the first time this year you don't really think about how much organizational stuff you got to do on the front end like putting together a a Google doc that you're sharing with your buddies, like, Hey, here's what I'm bringing. This is what you're bringing. I mean, those are things that like, you, you just don't think about until you're actually doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's easy to sit there and do all this research. Like that's the camp i put myself in. Like somebody that always wanted to do more of like the, the actual like backpack style hunts. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I consumed a ton of content about it. I was like mentally ready for it. But then it's like, once you're actually in that planning phase, it's like, okay, not bringing this, not bringing that. You know, in and, and hindsight, if I was to do it over, which I 100% want to do that again. Um, like, I, I would be able to pare down so much. Like, I, I brought way too many redundant things that just like either stayed at the hotel or, you know, like I never even brought out onto, like when, when we went into the field or things that like I brought with me that I ended up never even touching. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, I, you can save so much weight space all that stuff just by like being a little bit more minimalistic Uh and i think people can get by with a lot more than what they give themselves credit
0: for yes i'd agree with that completely and then on the flip side of that though too there are little things that one guy may have on the first experience or you know a guy you just can't expect that he's going to have it every time like colin is kind of that guy where he always pulls something out of the pack where you're like dude how did you think of that? And we didn't even really know we had it type of deal. Like he's yeah. always got that extra little thing where like Ben this year brought something that was super clutch. When we were cutting up elk, he had these gloves that were knife proof. And Oh, no kidding. I mean, I guarantee that at least prevented some knife nicks, you know, you totally. said they cutting on an elk for a long time. Having a glove like that's just extra, extra insurance that you're not going to hurt yourself. Yeah. And again, if you're close to the truck, it maybe isn't that big of a deal, but in some of these situations where you're not even in, you know, hours of being in contact with another human, you got to definitely take that stuff pretty seriously. And I, I just think that in general, it's, it's just a balance. And the one thing that's funny along the lines of like the planning and everything, the thing that always cracks me up is we've done this before we've been there we know yep. what we're expecting we've got the list but to actually get out of the truck and take off walking always takes this whole extra set of totally you know steps to get actually going and it, we always end up being way later starting than what we think
1: yeah. last year yeah.
0: when jake shot the bowl we woke up at like six in the morning and didn't leave the truck till like ten thirty. Sure. And this year we took a day between hunting with Grant and going back out with just the three of us, me, Ben, and Colin. And yep. we took a break and we went to town and we were like, oh, you know, we'll wash our clothes up and we'll take yep. a shower and kind of reorganize. Took the entire day.
1: Oh, absolutely. The
0: entire day to do a reset because like, yeah. I had to shoot my bow. I had to pack up hunting stuff versus filming stuff. And Ben had to, you know focus more on being the main camera versus just, you know, taking pictures and getting a second angle and being a call, you know, all these like little things kind of change about your role and it ends up just taking forever. And it's, I don't know, to me, it's fun, but it's also a lot of work and a lot of thought and it can be kind of stressful. But then also once you get going for the most part, it's like, yeah, we're fine. We got more than enough stuff.
1: And I think you can put yourself in that headspace a little bit. Like if someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, well, like I don't have have this hunt planned this year, next year, like, but I do want to do it. People can start putting themselves in that headspace by just the way that they approach their deer and turkey hunts. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to leave the truck at 6am and I'm not going to come back until it's half hour after whatever dark or whatever that timeline is and you're going to get that much better at at operating in the moment saying what you need what you don't need and then when you do get to that point however long from now it is you're going to feel like you've kind of been there before
0: yeah dude it's my favorite thing to do though is just be out there and not worry about coming back like oh man absolutely there really is just something that's extra special about that to me and I really want to start incorporating that into whitetail hunting.
1: Dude, I was just going to say that. I mean, that's, that's how I actually approached when I, I went to Illinois. I killed a buck early in in Wisconsin this year and um, didn't have, you know, a buck tag for November uh, back home. So I'm like, well, I'm going to go to Illinois. I live in an area of Wisconsin where I can jump over to the Illinois border. It takes, it's, it's a, investment, it's an hour and 45 minutes for me to get down there. Mm -hmm. So I can get there, but it's not something that like, you're not going, you're not going there for the morning hunt, coming home for the afternoon and then going back, like Mm -hmm. you're down there for the day. And the way that I looked at it was, I'm not going to necessarily like sit all day, but I'm going to be in the woods from, you know, an hour before sunrise to an hour after sunrise, every single day. And man, I I, like there were days where I like the day that I killed my buck, I actually moved two different times that day. Like I got set up in the morning, um, had a couple deer come by, adjusted at like 10 a.m., had another buck come by, got down and adjusted again. when I'm saying like adjusting, I mean, I'm talking like 15 yards, Mm -hmm. like that last adjustment was literally like a tree that I could have like thrown something at and hit. And I, but I knew that was where I needed to be. And sure enough, an hour and a half after I made that second adjustment, the buck that I ended up killing came right at that tree. I shot him at like six yards. And if I wouldn't have been there all day, kind of like making those micro moves, that's the difference of that thing skirting at 43 yards and trying to, you know, squeeze one through at a shot. You probably shouldn't be taking (laughs) or him coming right up the gut and just like the deer is dead
0: mm-hmm. I like it I like I like planning for all day too just because it allows you to have flexibility no matter what the situation calls for because there's been plenty of times like I use this that Ohio buck with them yeah. as reference all the time for so many things it's it's one of my favorite hunts ever because of all the little details yep. that are into it but That was a day where we really didn't have an exact plan, but then we bumped this buck and all of a sudden it's like, okay, this is where the whole focus is. And we had enough to stay out there all day. And I don't necessarily know that that was the plan. It was and it wasn't, right? It's like we have the ability to, but if we want to pull out and do something else, we can also do that. And I just, you know, we designed this new pack for exactly that to... Yep. be able to just go out and have everything you need for a whole day of bow hunting on the ground or saddle hunting or turkey hunting or shoot yeah. hunting it's you know to me the ideal day pack and i just like having just enough but again there's that fine line too of i'm not the type of guy to honestly eric i don't even really bring a knife every time because yeah i don't necessarily expect to, I expect to not get one every time. If I get one, then it's a bonus. And if I got to walk out, so be it. And like on that day, that's exactly what we did when we were in Ohio, we walked back out, but you know, just having enough to eat and drink is really important because then you don't get yourself in a weird situation where (laughs) you shoot a big buck and you're Confused on Kodiak Island, like Mark. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. I mean, you you need to be able to be able to bring that stuff with you. I I think back to Midwest Whitetail days. Yeah. I'm like, did we even bring water ever? Dude, you know, like never, maybe a bo- maybe like one of these. But now I drink like three the twelve bones. Yeah, the the little twelve ounce thing that you get it, like the the Nestle water
1: bottle or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, you'd have one of those. Oh yeah, I'll be good. I got this for the day.
0: I, I think back on that, and I'm like, how did we even survive? Like, if I did that now, I'd feel so – and I did at the time, too. I just don't think that I knew what feeling good felt like, you know? You drink oh, yeah. water all day. At the bare minimum, if you got enough water, you cannot eat all day. We've all not ate all day for yeah. various reasons outside yep. of hunting. But yeah. then, yeah, I don't know. That, that stuff's wild. I mean, even in 2018, uh, when – Logan Wright and I shot that buck. Yeah. We were canoeed in, and it was 10, 11 o'clock. And in the video, I say, well, we got to go get some food and water because we don't want to be in the same situation we were were in yesterday because the day before we did the same thing. Why did we not learn from that? Right. You know, it's like it took like 10 of those times to, like, suffer through a day before we really learned that, okay, if we just bring this stuff, we're going to be better. And it it sounds – Man, it sounds silly. I'm sure there's people listening there. Wow, I don't need that. And it's like, hey, I used to be that way too, but at yeah. the bare minimum, bring yourself some water. Yeah. Weapon tags I, and water.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I, and even the stuff that you bring with, like they eat ahead of time. Um, yeah. You know, like. I remember, you know, to go back to Midwest Whitetail, like how we were, I mean, dude, just everything wrong with what you're eating, what you're putting in your body. And man, dude, I specifically paid for that a lot. It's like, it's, it's way easier to, you know, eat clean and feel good than, uh, do option B. And then you're like, man, I feel like crap out here. I got to get back to the truck or I got to, um, you know, you got a headache sitting out there, you're dehydrated. Like, that's the worst. And
0: I think it's you all don't stuff even you can control. Yeah. And I don't even think you know. Like, for me, I don't even know that I knew that I felt as bad as I did. But all those little things are amplified when you don't have enough food or water. And you are really more likely to pass out. I've done that. I've yeah. passed out out there. I can drop yeah. some footage in right here of me passing out in New York. You've heard that story. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that happened. Uh, actually, Keith passed out this pronghorn season, which we should probably save that for when he's present because I feel like yeah. I just told Eric the, this story, but it's pretty hilarious. I'll have to get the pronghorn crew on to do that one. But Totally, man. We, you know, look back on the situations where – people aren't feeling good or even just that I get the worst feeling when I'm cold all day and I'm sitting nope. there fighting to be warm and I'm usually pretty light on clothing because a lot of times I'm moving. So as soon as I start sitting, I start really fighting and I'm constantly just flexing and just trying to keep my body moving as much as I can in little ways. But then you get back to the truck you get the heat on you and a major mistake I do all the time is I get back to the chuck and then I stop drinking water. But yeah. then I get really warm, and then all of a sudden I go right off the deep end of getting, starting to get dehydrated, and it's so crazy yep. how quickly you can feel like crap. But imagine, you know, back in the days when we didn't carry the water. You get back, and the, your body's doing the same thing, but you haven't been drinking. It's like, no wonder we felt as bad as we did. And I've definitely noticed an increase in ability – from the mental side of things and the physical side of things since we've started doing this for all of us. I noticed it with everybody in our crew and all of our friends that we hunt with. It's like everybody's performing way better and the ability to push it on low energy, lack of sleep. I'm not, I'm not necessarily promoting that, but that's our life. I mean, we we push it. And day in and day out, you have a longer, like, time frame before you have to do that day of reset for sure and take a break still necessary but not as often 2018 spring is one that i think we hunted i think that was the year that we hunted in wisconsin yeah yep definitely so i hunted with hayden one morning on that trip oh yeah yeah and he was finally just like dude he's like you aren't allowed to go hunting And this is, this is back still when he worked at legendary, like not, he didn't work with us. I was just filming him just for fun. And it was like, I do remember this hundred percent, however long into the season. And at that point too, that first year, we didn't even hunt nearly as much as we would like in 2023 or 22 or 21. That year we were definitely taking bigger, longer breaks. Like more often we were taking these week long breaks and that yep. just goes to show how poor my health was. And, I mean, there's other factors in that as well. But a lot of that comes down to not drinking water, not eating healthy. At, yeah. I'm not saying I sit here and eat perfectly healthy in hunting season all year. I don't. But, like, yeah, those little things make a difference. And for you,
1: I mean, I think what what's interesting, too, is, like, the tick scare that you had. Like, didn't you say that kind of was, like, the oh, the yeah. little, like, switch for you that you're, like, man, like, you know, now that I'm – Kind of dealing with this like i'm not gonna i'm done drinking like all that stuff like i think it, cleaning up those habits man goes a long ways i mean i another one i you always hear uh tony peterson always talks about this and and how like when he was in a different stage of life like his habits weren't great he kind of grew up and figured it out and I mean, I think that is a, is a great example of like what exactly what you're talking about right now.
0: Yeah, he was a big inspiration for me. Like, Tony and I, outside of the, you know, recorded stuff that we've done, we've had a lot of really awesome conversations. Yeah. And I just really respect him and look up to him a lot. And um, we were talking one day, I was driving back east from Colorado, and this has been before... The whole tick thing and and everything and it might have been right before it like i might have yeah. been on my way to turkey hunt and he brought up the fact that he hadn't drank anymore or like he'd quit drinking however many years previously and i was like man i'm kind of thinking about doing that and i a lot of times during hunting season i don't especially turkey because they're super short days you know yeah oh drink. yeah so that wasn't yeah. terribly abnormal but I didn't drink that whole season. Then I got Lyme disease with the tick. And I mean, for those that know what I'm talking about, it's like a yeah. hangover that you drank anything and everything the night before. And you got that like nail in your brain. That's what yeah. I felt for. Yeah. I mean, it felt initially way worse than that. Even for like three or four days, it was terrible, super high fever, really sick. But then, um, for two weeks while I was taking the doxycycline, which is the, um, antibiotic. Yeah. I just had every morning that hangover headache and it's like, I kind of don't want to drink anymore. Cause I don't feel like having that headache. So I kind of stopped for a variety of reasons that played into, to it a lot. But yeah, since then it's, I mean, and I'm not a, against drinking by any yeah. means. I mean, I think that's the thing is like, you know, as well as anybody, I love drinking, but, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. but I haven't done it for a you know, Rick, in two days, I believe, I have to look at my calendar to be sure and look, actually look at photos from the last night, but I'm pretty yeah. sure in two days, it'll be three years exactly. Jeez, man, that's awesome. Isn't that dude. wild? Yeah. It's just crazy. think of all those days sitting at your house, just like hammering whatever <laughs> Miller <I was>. light. <laughs> Yeah, Miller light whiskey. I mean, it's pretty crazy to think about it, but I also, one thing that's pretty funny i've noticed you can as you age you can still get hung over by not drinking just if you don't sleep as much as you normally oh, yeah. do it's kind of weird yeah. i didn't realize how much of a hangover is just sleep deprivation <clears throat> for sure
1: i i this watch i got it's one of those like garmin uh, instincts or whatever i should get um, one of those dude, I, I love it because it, it tracks all the stuff that you're kind of talking about right now, like in the app, it talks about like, it. I mean, if you wear it when you sleep, which I was kind of didn't, wasn't sure how I was going to feel like sleeping with a watch on. Like I just I obviously had never done it. I always took a watch off, but I wanted to do it because it tracks everything on the app and like, it gives you these, like, like a body battery score, a sleep score, all that stuff. And obviously it's an app on a, from a watch. How accurate is it? That's the question. I actually feel like it's pretty decently accurate. Like when I get a good night's sleep, if I, you know, get seven, eight hours of sleep and, you know, I'm not tossing and turning, like I feel refreshed. And then I'll like, I'm a, it's specifically on those days when I, I know that I feel better. I'll be like, man, I'm curious. And I'm going to the app and checking it. It'll be like, yeah, you know, you, you had a great night's sleep. Your body battery is at like a 90, you know, 95%. And. I that stuff makes a huge difference man it's stuff that I've just kind of started to get a little bit more aware of just you know and this has been a big part of it because it actually is something that puts a tangible like number to it you have it on your phone it's easy to use and I like it for sure
0: dude I think it's so funny to feel like not to say these things that make anybody feel bad you know not to make you be like hey man you're doing things wrong like right um I guess I just think that it's more about, to me, it's more about saying, hey, we've been on the other side of it, and this is how much better yeah. it feels now, you know? And yeah, I don't know. When I, was, when I was 21, 22, 23, especially, I look back on that, and I'm like, I didn't even know how bad it had gotten until yeah. I look back and I... I can see it visibly, but I can also <clears throat> yeah. remember how I felt and how exhausted I would feel. And I would see a number on my phone of how far I was about to walk and be like, oh, you know, it's like now. Yeah, we got to walk a mile in. Yeah, it's like <laughs> make it infinite now. I don't care. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's fun and easy. And I think that is the benefit, right? It's fun Absolutely. when you feel good. It's not fun when you feel terrible, but. Exactly. And it and you can
1: set yourself up for that, and your actions dictate it, you know, yeah, so for sure. but man,
0: surgery tomorrow, huh yeah, yeah, that's the <sighs> i'm pretty I'm actually terrified, Rick i'm pretty pretty nervous'cause dude I've never had a major surgery like this, I've never really had a major injury when I was playing football, I separated my shoulder, which is different yeah. than uh different than what's the other like popping your shoulder out yeah separating is i believe it's the ac joint is what it it's is called. yeah
1: yep i did dude i did the exact same thing yeah and, and you see so your, your ac joint is that uh your collarbone where it goes up to your shoulder yeah. bone and the separation is basically that thing kind of lifts off just a little mm-hmm. bit yeah i have the same it's you the can same
0: thing actually kind of tell um if you look at my collarbone I don't know yeah. how well you can see it on here, but this right side sticks up way higher yeah. than the other side. And it's pretty, pretty funny how that lasted. And I didn't really realize yeah. it, but Definitely. A, an athletic trainer told me one time, he's like, you you tore your, or you separated your shoulder. And I was like, how'd you know that? And he's like, oh, you can see your collarbones different. And I looked in the mirror and was like, yeah, sure. It's crazy, man. Yeah. So, yeah, never really anything much more major than that. I sprained an ankle one time, which made me miss a couple of baseball games till the swelling went down, and then played again. But yeah, I surgery is yeah yeah man. It's I I'll, different. I'll, I'll be interested to see what happens. Have you ever had any surgeries? Like I, that? I never
1: never have knock on wood, but it's I mean the the thing with uh like to hopefully put your mind at ease here it seems like the ACL stuff, is that that's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. You got a torn ACL.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, man, it's insane how in like the sports medicine world, how they're getting guys like, they used to be like, not necessarily like, a, uh, it used to be way more severe than it is mm-hmm. today. I feel like guys are getting those surgeries and they're like, you, you, I'm sure you've had a million conversations with people that have had it. We were talking to Josh Hilderton yep. at NWTF. And he's like, yeah, I had mine. And I was like, the next day back up walking like they had me doing all this stuff. And Mm -hmm. it's crazy. It is absolutely insane how, how sports medicine and all that stuff kind of works. And they, they get you back up and rolling.
0: Yeah. The advancements too, that I've heard is just crazy from 10 years ago. Even my mom had the same surgery nine (laughs) or 10 years ago and it's, you know, improved a lot since then their confidence and everything, you know, just going to the, surgeon in the pre-op appointments and talking to him yeah. it's like he seems not concerned at all and
2: oh he's yeah also moving
0: it around and like i'm standing right now i've been standing this whole time so it's like yeah i don't have any trouble doing anything standing or moving forward it's just when i bend it all the way that's where i think and bending it all the way and putting weight on it i guess like I'm a big, yeah. I mean, I'll just do it like making dinner. I'll just squat down, you know, and just kind of hang out in a squatting position, but I can't do that right now. But yeah. as far as like walking straight, dude, endless. I'll just go for, I mean, a lot of, a lot of walking recently, but yeah, no pain. And it's weird to know that I'm going backwards. I think that's the biggest part of it that I'm a little bit afraid of is I've worked so hard to get back to. And yeah. taking it so easy up to this point, which is hard for me. Totally. Because I've become, you know, addicted to working out to the point yeah. of I need it. And for now sure, that I don't man. have I mean, it, it makes a dude go a little nuts.
1: Yeah. I think the you know, the, the good thing, though, is in, in your case, you know, you've set yourself up in a good situation for having an active lifestyle before this. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were the torn ACL. It's probably you're way more mobile than like you yeah. of my best buddies without a torn oh, ACL. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I yeah. I sent a text message along those lines to I think Warb the other day. Where it's like I think I can still probably, you know, walk further than a good yeah, bit I'm of my sure. friends. <laughs> totally, man. But so what's the What's the prognosis going to be then
1: like recovery wise? Like you're not turkey hunting at all then this spring? I break?
0: don't I don't know. I'm keeping my expectation as that. Yeah. Um my guess is is that I'll be able to pull something off late May. So yeah. I'm thinking I'll probably hunt around Colorado some Yeah. And then uh, just depending, I mean I might go to like a Ohio or Yep. I don't know, just some places where I've kind of been before and have a little bit of confidence in just taking yeah. it easy, even on a ridge, you know, just getting up on a ridge and taking a bogging road or something. I may try to do For some sure. of that, but at the same time, I'm just setting this expectation now that I'm not going to hunt because I don't know. I really don't yeah. know. I mean, it, it might be a deal where I end up hunting a lot in the last month of the season, but my, my thing is to, and I think this is a hard thing to say now as things are getting closer and season has started for the rest of the guys, but like they're all in it now, you know, they're down in Mississippi and they're starting and they're making videos and I'm, and I'm doing podcast stuff, but it's not the same. It is not the same. And I'm, I'm definitely struggling with not letting myself just go. I mean, off the deep end, as far as just being anxious, I'm just super anxious for so many reasons. It's like, we're starting the new podcast channel, so all my focus is on that. And then as soon as I take a break, I start thinking about the fact that I'm not turkey hunting. And then I start thinking about the fact that I'm about to have a surgery. And then I start thinking about the fact that am I even going to be able to work for a week, you know, or am I just going to be in so much pain sitting on the couch? And between that yeah. and doing PT, and I, I'm just – it's all – Yeah, your stuff. mind wanders, you know. Yeah, it's all stuff that doesn't really matter. I know in the yep. long run I'll be fine, but it doesn't change the fact that especially – You know, when you, you have the, the type of mind that does that in general, like my mind just carries things away quickly, but it'll be good. I'm not, when I take a step back and I say, okay, be realistic with yourself. It's like, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. You're going to miss some turkey hunting, but hopefully you're back and you're, you know, been able to, you know, bust your ass again during fall season. And that's really. For sure what what the goal is because i'm hoping to elk hunt again well not hoping i'm gonna find a way to go elk hunting again i think i'm probably gonna that's where i'll probably push it i've been telling a lot of people buddies and stuff it's like i've done a lot of turkey hunting it's a little bit easier to swallow that yeah if i missed elk hunting on the other hand like let's say this injury would have happened you know on a yeah. on a trail Middle run off. in August or something and yeah. it's like that had been a way bigger deal to me just because I don't have that experience and there's a little bit of um not a little bit there's a lot of team dependency on that hunt those Definitely. hunts too we're like Ben and Colin absolutely expect me to go not to say they would really care they would obviously if I couldn't it is what it is but right that's a big part of it like they're expecting that to be a big part of the the season and and i also just am excited about deer hunting and you know that's just a never-ending process so i can just i don't know cut the losses for now and get back to it now on the other hand boy 2024 i'm gonna go nuts i'm gonna have a a really hilarious time next year i'm gonna probably (laughs) (laughs) way overdo it (laughs) Oh man, there's no such thing. You can't overdo it, dude. Rick, you have to send me. You have to send me that video of you twisting the egg.
1: <laughs> it's coming in. Here it comes.
0: We were, we were, uh we were at eight or the NWTF thing. For those listening, I don't even know at this point how much of all of our BS session I'll keep or not. But either way, it's hilarious. But Rick. Oh dude, showing me this video and you know how it is when your buddy just gives you that face and he's like, "You're gonna laugh at this a lot." He just is giving me that face. I know this is gonna be funny. He shows me this video and I mean it's the hardest I've laughed in a while. (laughs) Is Rick chasing after this turkey? (laughs) It was try to drop that in here somewhere yeah here we
1: go I just texted it to you I'm going to airdrop it in here (laughs) and I'm going to set the stage here while this thing is transferring to my computer so I was hunting with uh I think you you know the identical yeah guys yeah and uh so I was hunting with those guys last April in Nebraska and we we had killed a bird the night before I shot one and then the next morning we had like I mean we had these birds like totally put to bed like we knew right where they were we were gonna set ourselves up for what we thought was gonna be a slam dunk off the roost we got real tight to these things and picture very open hardwoods I mean it's still like fairly mid 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 to late April but definitely like still open hardwoods I mean you can't get too close to these things before you're just like gonna be blowing them off the roost. so We got as close as we could get which was very close and we're underneath the cedar tree and it is the world's most uncomfortable cedar. and everyone's probably done this where they sleep on their arm or something and like when they wake up their arm is asleep to the point where like you literally have no feeling like you can pick it up and like drop it just dead weight on you you can't feel anything so as i'm sitting on this tree waiting for these birds to you know show up I mean, they're gobbling like crazy on the limb, and uh, I am here. I'm just gonna pull. I'm just gonna pull this in as we are. Okay, so I'm gonna pause it here. You're seeing a bird in in uh, right in the frame. There's another one in front of it. This is after sitting in this position for probably about an hour. My left leg is entirely asleep. These birds come in. The one that uh, you're about to see the shot here. One, two, three. So I shot at the bird on the right. The bird on the left there is the bird that I think Nate shot that one, just anchored it. I hit that bird on the right on that shot. And and decently, like, obviously he flies off there at the shot. But uh, he just kind of, like, fluttered and then, like, hung up, was still very much alive and I wanted to get on him right away. My leg is totally asleep. So I go to like, I plant my right foot and the left foot has nothing. <laughs> and I could not feel the leg. <laughs> and there it
2: just... <laughs>
0: dude how hectic the camera focus is to... <laughs> so...
1: <laughs> it's it's horrible so like here's the, the crazy part so as you see me tearing off after this thing watch the left ankle so like i cannot feel it at all like if I, i'm clearly like limping already because i just have no feeling you know hang on oh Like, look at the look at the twist on that. The left ankle just totally gets twisted there, but not to be distracted. Here comes the follow-up. Can you help
0: him out, dude? There's so many parts about that that are so funny, but the the very best part to me is the roll, the like jumping flop to immediately getting the gun off. Let's watch that oh, one more time, folks. One more time. Rolling, gun, gun, just rolling with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get on him, Rick. Yep. Hey, help him out. <laughs> Does he say, "Should I help him out"? In the background. He says, "Nate, Nate, help him out."
1: <laughs> Thomas said that to Nate. And here comes, here comes Nate.
2: Oh, dude very excited
1: so i <laughs> he's probably like what the heck did you just do that's so funny dude it, it that hurts so bad like that um it, it was one of those deals where like that happened on the second morning and uh i like we had like three days left i just t- tightened up my boot like made it a brace and we i mean we walked like crazy those next couple days.
0: I'll send you a picture. probably pretty similar to what that injury I had playing baseball that time. It was not so bad that I couldn't do anything, but it wasn't good. And it got all swollen, black and blue all over. And it's just like, yeah, it kind of looks the same. Actually, it wasn't filmed, but a photographer for the newspaper was taking pictures there that day and happened to catch my ankle Uh, on second base. Oh, man. And it was just like such a bonehead move (laughs) when I did it too. Where hit one like up the middle, and it was ended up being like a grounder to the center fielder, and he yeah. fumbled it, and I saw an opportunity to get second quick, so I got second, and I got hung up in that. Should I slide? Should I not? And I kind of yep. half-ass slid, and just ugh, yeah, not good. Like yep. that was that was probably more painful or as painful as the knee was really, which is another interesting thing about the ACL is it's actually, you know, the ACL doesn't actually hurt. It's everything else that hurts. That's why you're able to like keep moving on it. So, yeah, but yeah, that dude, that story of you, you falling with the turkey. is just like, it's just so classic. I did the same thing in that uh, Minnesota hunt that one time. Yeah, I jump up and my legs are asleep. Do you remember seeing that ever? I'm like hopping up and I'm like, oh, and I had just been in the same position. (laughs) Luckily, the the turkey didn't need a follow up or I'd have been in a similar (laughs) situation, you know, falling all Uh, over the place.
1: Yeah, that that one still had some life to him. He needed some assistance. But uh, I mean,
0: great job on the effort getting on him. I mean, really. Oh yeah, it's it's that's one of those deals. That's where, I mean, unless I just abs, and I mean, even then, it's better safe than sorry but like even totally. if you just absolutely hammer him just go get on him it's a it's a there's no harm in doing that right yeah. it's like no harm in in being sure
1: man but i super quick story on that like when i was first getting into fit like this is even before i worked at midwest whitetail like i just had a little sony handicam film these two birds come down this logging road and it was the first first bird i ever shot on film i shot this thing and uh like, I thought I totally whack this. Like, just thought I'd absolutely nailed him. Like, he did he did a, a flip, mm-hmm. and uh, he was flopping like crazy, and it was, like, kind of a, up on a log road on top of a ridge, and he immediately, like, fell off the ridge. I could hear him, like, flopping around, then it went quiet. Well, I turned the camera around on me, and I, like, filmed, like, a reaction, and I went up there. I couldn't find Gone. the stupid bird. And I finally found him, like, two and a half hours later under a deadfall, like, 40 yards away, it turns out, like, I must have just, I didn't hit him great, and uh, that, that bird had some, you know, had some life to him, and got under, tucked himself in, in a deadfall. the only way that I found him was the leaves that looked like they were kind of, like, ruffled up, mm-hmm. and this thing was, like, tucked under their dead, but, man, just could have been much, much worse, like, I very easily could have lost that bird, and if I just would have jumped up and got on him, I mean, that's, you don't want to lose those things, like, no. they're,
0: Well, it's, it's one of those deals too, like unlike a deer, you can shoot a deer and they recover. I don't think many turkeys recover post-shot. I mean, they're just so much more delicate and not to say that it doesn't happen. I mean, obviously people shoot turkeys all the time with a BB through the leg or, uh, you know, a little bit of scarring on the breast or something, but I've seen way too many, you know, examples of uh guys hitting turkeys and being like oh i missed him and it's like "Eh, i don't like that
1: yeah that that video that you guys just showed i think it was uh aaron zimmerman's bird Mm -hmm. you know like that's it it goes to show i think a lot of guys think like oh i missed them like you said i think i missed them but if they don't have the luxury of watching the footage back you probably didn't miss them like if a bird's out there at distance think about how open your choke your pattern is at that like Mm -hmm. something's touching that thing
0: you know so well what do you think bud i mean i feel like this is one of these deals where we could probably just keep talking for like another six seven hours if we wanted to
1: could very easily happen man but yeah
0: maybe we should do a a post-operation podcast here in like a couple weeks and you know actually here's another thing that we're hoping to do and maybe we could Maybe we could make this work because I feel like you're a perfect candidate for it. I, with this podcast series and specifically this injury, has led to this new idea of a podcast tour. So I I don't know if it's going to be realistic or not. Like, Well, it's going to be realistic. I want it to happen. I'm going to make it happen. I don't know how quickly I'm going to be able to do it, but either sometime this Turkey season or in the summer and in future years, I want to do like, um, winter and fall or I'm yeah. sorry, winter and summer. And then during spring and fall hit, meet up with people along the way, but like yeah. have, you know, basically four different seasons to do a podcast tour and just try to bust out a bunch regionally. I love it, and like to actually sit down with people and I mean, let them rip. Let's see if we can get a six hour podcast, you know yeah. <laughs> just be pretty be pretty raw and just hang out and talk and I feel like that would be a really good opportunity and also just Wisconsin in general is like an easy place to go to and definitely man hit multiple people, so maybe yeah, that's you something. got a place to
1: stay here for sure we got plenty of room so i can probably
0: i'm thinking i'm probably gonna be able to get those those uh silly wisconsin birds with this injury (laughs) i
1: do like that they're everywhere you know (laughs) yeah it's kind
0: of crazy i was thinking (laughs) we, we were talking back at the nwtf deal or like or at least around that time when this first happened crystal was saying like well you can always just hunt with me in wisconsin i can't get around as fast as you can normally so maybe that's our good opportunity to just like it's like yeah i've got
1: this uh i've got this plan that uh so we're our the place we just moved in on is on just a little over two acres Uh and it butts a cornfield i really want to shoot a bird in the backyard like i think it'd be it'd be really fun i got my my very first shotgun ever is like a little uh Rossi 410, like youth shotgun, and uh, I mean, there's not a lot of space. I'm not going to be taking like a super long shot. Um, it's got like a fixed modified choke. I can't even like put a turkey choke in this oh, thing. Yeah. So I mean, I'm gonna if I shoot one, it's gonna have to be like 15 yards at in. I'm sure with with those TSS loads, even it with it being a modified uh, choke, I'm sure it would knock one down at like 15 yards like
0: that. Oh yeah, dude, yeah, the TSS so. stuff's just on the verge of being just absurd really it's like i mean i've seen even that 20 gauge of mine is and that I, what you're
1: shooting now i i have haven't switched
0: out? yet i gotta get a different choke because i shot a couple practice rounds out of it and then yeah. also was like eh, i should probably make sure my choke can handle this and it can't yeah and i didn't chew it up really but there is one tiny little like scar in it from doing it and i was like i shouldn't shoot this stuff anymore so i have not but I guess I shouldn't say that I have like one or two times at a target and at like 50 yards, it's just like no brainer, dead Turkey. Like God, that's just so stupid with that dumb little 20 gauge. Yeah. I don't know. The gun's sweet and has always shot really well has always done better than, you know, I guess what I even thought when I first started shooting it. But yeah, I think with TSS and I was also talking to you about potentially getting a red dot or at least testing that out a little bit yeah mostly just because i know like for example when i pull up my muzzleloader or my 450 it's just like i'm on i pull up and i'm on it it's just the way yep. that it anchors on my face and it feels just supernatural to be pulling that gun up and looking through the scope and i want that with my turkey gun because right now how short that stock is i my when i line the beads up naturally when i put my face down on it my face goes too far forward and then Mm -hmm. the beads end up kind of doing this type of deal where it's like the far one is higher than the close one yeah and then i have to kind of like i kind of have to do this like pop my yeah and which is okay sitting down and obviously i've done it for years i've never had an issue i just think in a situation (laughs) where like you wound one or something and you need to make a running shot not even saying in a realistic hunting situation very often but but i mean then again i shot one in west virginia one time that his head like you know the bottom of my screen is the the ridge he's doing this and he was already peeking us and i was like i'm gonna shoot because i got an open shot and i just about missed behind him because i wasn't you know i was keeping up with yeah and i think it would just be easier to do that with a red dot
1: it, it it definitely would. I mean, I'm not just saying this because I obviously work at Vortex, but I mean, I like the first year I worked here. Actually, I was like, yeah, I'm not putting a red dot on my gun. Like, I just, I didn't. I was so much like, I know myself. I'm gonna leave something on, and I don't want to have like a dead battery. You yep. know. Yep. Um, with the some of the solar stuff like that really takes that out of the equation. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's one thing um and two like i just always have a ba- extra battery in my, uh, in my vest or whatever um but then the other thing that i really like about it is two things like at distance it actually gives you a finite aiming point that you can put on the, the bird like <clears throat> you got a bird at 40 even 40 yards mm-hmm. the bead on your gun is like taken up from the the waddles like up and over the head and you yep. can't really like position where the bulk of that pattern is going to be and like we talked about with tss and some of these you know better choke tubes better shots like your patterns are that much more precise so that requires a more precise point of aim to actually like put that thing where you want it to be so like the best example there is i shot a bird um a couple years ago that he was at like 53 And I was able to put that my dot exactly where I wanted the bulk of that pattern going, and I mean that I absolutely stoned out that turkey. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing on the very flip side of that is when they're super close. Now your pattern is really really tiny. Mm -hmm. Now you know exactly like it it eliminates any torque. Like if you think about shooting a bow, I actually think there's a lot of similarities in shooting a bow to shooting a shotgun with an with without a red dot. Mm -hmm. Like you can torque your bow and your fiber optic on the site is still going to be in the center of the center but what you're not going to see is that left to right torque same exact thing with the vent rib on the shotgun bead is like you could be torqued a little bit left a little bit right which happens all the time when you're turkey hunting you're all you're i feel like they never come right down the gun barrel mm-hmm. you know so you're always at a little bit of a weird angle that's the difference of pushing that pattern left or right. The dot, there's just, there's no question of what is uh, downrange of that thing. And it just, it, it makes shooting at those awkward angles so much easier.
0: Yeah. And I like how light my shotgun is. Like there's a lot of ang- uh, GoPro angles on my shoulder where yep. you can tell I'm just holding the gun with one hand and you know that's yep. why I've never switched. And I really don't want to switch to a heavier gun. Let's say worst yeah. case scenario somehow my gun breaks like I drive over it or something just totally bonehead. If I get another gun, my goal is going to be get the absolute lightest shotgun possible. Yep. That's my preference. So I agree. That's what I would want and I think as far as having as light as possible of a shotgun, right now I'm accomplishing that. The thing's yep. stupid light. I can literally pick it up with one finger unloaded is super light. Yeah. Then just being able to quickly shoot and just make those follow-up shots Mm -hmm. if need be just a little bit easier in theory. And I, for sure. I I also, I I don't know, man. I, I don't know how exactly I'm going to pull this off yet, but I told you I have this new idea of gun application, you know, like different one for different, hunt and I've been thinking more and more, what about getting a red dot on a deer driving rifle or a tracking rifle? Yeah. Just it's tough because like for example, where I've hunted in New York, a lot of that's been really open timber and I've Yeah. And I've always thought, well if I get an opportunity here, there's actually a dang good chance I'm gonna want this scope. But yep. on the other hand, if you're doing deer drives in northern wisconsin or you're doing a deer drive in a clear cut in missouri you know and yep. you have a rifle i'm almost thinking red dot so i'm going to end up i'm going to end up over the next couple of years probably buying a variety of guns that i can have like a red dot set up a set up with the scope that i have on my 450 sure. muzzle loader and then have something that i you know probably a 300 wind mag or something that i can really extend out there because it's just when you start looking at every application there's all kinds of opportunities and definitely i don't know it's just a it's 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 something that i previously used to just think oh'll just give me the scope or in a shotgun just give me the bead and i'm starting yeah. to see the benefits of all of the options and i kind of just want to toy around with them to be honest it's just been For so sure. long since i've had a red dot on anything that i wanna see what it looks like and I think that it'll help in the long run. I think it will. I mean I think even um gosh was that Shane that shot that buck with
1: the muzzle loader he had a dot on that thing. That's like the perfect use case for that is high stem count stuff. You need something that has just like unlimited field of view. Yep. And unlimited eye relief. So you're not trying to, you know, jostle Mm -hmm. for cheek weld positioning when the moments is kind of like fleeting on you Mm -hmm. and that is where that setup is like i i bet with a regular three by nine scope i bet that deer is not dead
0: but with the 2.5 that's that's on the flip side that 2.5 dude that scope that i have which you yeah like we're like don't talk to me about it i'm giving you this thing like this is the advice i'm giving you shoot this scope you're gonna love it since yep. I've put that thing on, like, I, I've never been so confident in a style of scope. The thing's yeah. sick. Because I love that scope. Yeah, I mean, if something's t- twenty yards or if it's two hundred, yeah, you can still pull it off with the same mm-hmm. the same scope. I mean, totally. obviously, rest and everything's gonna make a big difference, but yep. at really close range, it's still really easy to get on things with that scope
1: yeah the the scope you're talking about there is the viper hs two and a half to ten and like if someone is looking for one scope to do like everything that is it that thing is is whether you're you know like a a big woods whitetail hunter or even you know like someone that's hunting out in montana like open country mule deer hunts um and you want something that you're you're not going to be messing around like dialing an elevation turret that is a, a perfect option for somebody. Yeah. Um, it's it's light. It's got great optical quality. I mean, I, it's it's it, like if unequivocally, if you just ask everybody at the office, like, "Hey, what's best scope for deer hunting?" I bet every single person is going to say that Viper HS two and a half to ten.
0: Yeah, and I have been amazed at just how versatile it is. Again, whether you're hunting in a place where you may be shooting two hundred, two hundred and fifty yards. Even I would feel fine shooting that at three hundred yards if sure. it was on the right gun. Oh yeah. Definitely. It's just uh I guess to me here's the scope. This is the one that we're talking about. Yep. Um But to me, it's just covers it all and if I was gonna have one gun that I did everything with it would absolutely be um that scope. I you know, just as far as what I'm most confident with. Yeah, there's definitely the situation where a deer's running towards you trotting or whatever and he ends up inside of 10 yards and that could get a little but even then, man, like it has to be like inside of like 4 yards for it to be, you know, All, oh, yeah. all I saw was brown, which that's right. the difference between a 3 power and a 2.5 does make a big difference and totally if that's a concern to you i recently was with john lewis in uh rifle season in new york yeah and i was holding his gun and he's got a one to four yeah dude like that covers you for that's like a red dot kind of on steroids type of scope that's a super
1: that's a perfect when you were when you were kind of talking about that like any one to something like a one to four a one to six, um, one to eight, like that is gonna be super versatile. I, I mean, we, we talk about this all, all the time with our uh, product team. Like it, it blows my mind that the one to somethings aren't more popular in the deer hunting world. Um, you know, it's just, and I think it's, it's I, I really do think that that is probably gonna be a trend that we start seeing. In the next like five years i think you're going to see a lot more guys especially the kind of hunting style that you have or like guys hunting big woods um that you know they might need to take a moving shot that i think is going to be a big big game changer and a big big uh uh not a game changer just a big trend i think more people are going to be adopting that sort of style of optic versus like when you and I were growing up and you heard about a rifle scope on a deer rifle, what did you think? 3 about to three 9. To yeah, exactly.
0: Every time. And
1: yeah, and I think it's just a mental thing that we everybody has, you know, kind of in the back of our head. I really think that's going to be a shift that we start to see.
0: Yeah, that might actually be a better option yet for I've been thinking about getting a muzzle loader that yep. I could use for different situations and yeah. That might really have you covered. Because I like that. I really like the idea of getting a shot at one inside a 50 with like a light trot to it or a, a yep. walk, a moving target or like trotting at 15 yards. I mean, that's a very realistic situation and a deer driving situation or even just running right up to you. You're, you're set up right on the trail and they come busting in and they stop it. 9 yards. I mean that yep. happens. You go back and watch those muzzleloader videos that we do. That stuff happens and I just think that having the versatility to do that because on the flip side, the one that I shot um a couple years ago when I was the driver and I walked yep. up on the bachelor group, yep. That that buck was 70 yards and if I didn't have the scope that I had I think that I might have had like red dot I don't know that it would have worked because there was a little stick or not a little stick there was a small sapling right over his shoulder and I was able to zoom the scope slightly readjust to the other side of the tree and then I knew dude when I pulled that trigger I'm talking you know everybody's always proud of the shot that they make right but yeah yeah it was like when I pulled it, it's like it's gonna hit him right on the point of the shoulder. Yeah. Or it's yep. hitting that tree, or if I miss to the left, I'm missing in front of him, or just barely For sure. skimming him. It's like this. <clears throat> it's I'm I'm talking threading the needle. And yeah. when we got to him, both it was right on the point of the shoulder. Both his front shoulders were broken, and it was just like yeah, perfect. But on the flip side, again, if you only have a one power or your open sights or your red dot i think that getting that needle thread is going to be a lot harder so therefore i do like having some power but again this is where the one to six or the 2.5 to 10 covers you
1: yeah yeah you you talked about a um like a remington 760 the pump Mm. pump rifle that's an awesome one the one that i'm like sentimental towards because i used to have one chantel actually shot shot a, a deer with it and i sold it like a total idiot i had a rem- or a marlin 1894 chambered in 44 mag
2: uh-huh.
1: straight wall cartridge that you could use in a place like iowa ohio mm-hmm. i want to get one of those real bad and i want to put a little one to six on there like and that would be my like when i'm moving i'm uh spot and stock because you know you, whatever let's say you walk over the crest of a ridge and boom you're blowing out at 10 yards well at one power you're going to be able to get on that thing right away but like that situation you're talking about you're slipping through the timber oh there's one up there at 125 yards feeding on acorns <laughs> And yeah exactly yeah.
0: and like i read the comments talking about you know why we should be doing scopeless or red dot only and i don't disagree with those arguments i think it's just yep. you're going to give something in most situations but totally. these a couple examples that we're using the one power to whatever yep. and then the 2.5 to 10 that yep. covers you in dang near every situation it really does and again that's where i'm not just saying it because, you know, again, because yeah. you work at Vortex, I'm not. Dude, I got that thing, and you gave me the advice. That's what you should go with. That's what you're going to like. I put it on there, and ever since, every day that I use it, I'm like, I like this thing a little bit better. Yeah. I really do. This yep. is like It doesn't change the weight of my gun, the ability to just cover myself in every situation. And then on top of that, too, I'm pretty sure – most of the bucks that I've shot in the last few years I've zoomed in. If you watch like yeah. the, the deer. I remember one. that Iowa
1: one yep. specifically, like you can see
0: zooming in on that thing and, and shooting and, it. Now with that being said, that's, that's a lot of, uh that's a lot of experience playing into that moment. Yeah, that's not necessarily totally. something I would be promoting to everybody. Cause like on the flip side, yeah, we had this big learning, learning lesson. This is a, goofy story but if you go back and watch that first day of muzzleloader season this year keith was using my muzzleloader because i was filming and uh he has these deer coming towards him and he has that 2.5 which is beautiful leave it on there always yeah. when you're moving leave it on there that's my advice at least and yep Keith sees the deer, they're far away, he zooms it to five. Well, then the buck comes running up and is at about 40 yards mm-hmm. and turns yep. to run, mm-hmm. and he's now he's at five power, and it's like he's only seeing deer. He's not seeing, you know, that wider view to where he can sure. get the type of lead that he needs, know that he's kind of going into an opening, and that's your advantage of having it at the 2.5. Now, the reason you'll see me zoom at the last second is – he stopped. I know I got the time. I know I have that very split second. Yeah. I practiced quick zooming of the scope. I, I feel comfortable in that situation. And yep. all I'm doing is just reassuring myself that there's not just a sapling smack in the middle of exactly. the crosshairs. Because that can happen exactly. too. I had it happen when I was young and it kind of scarred me for life. Totally. Yep.
1: I think that's what gets a lot of guys in the archery world. You know, in low <laughs> light, you know, you're, I mean, you see a, a deer, and you just see a big rectangle, dark blob sitting in the shooting lane at 30 yards at last light. And, I mean, the, the one that haunts me is that uh, the barber buck, you know, <laughs> when I was an intern, dude. Like, I will never forget that. He was so wide open for me. And I'm sitting there at full draw, and I let that arrow go. And, I mean, you can see in the footage, it's just, like, tracking right at this thing. And at the last second, just... And turns out I hit a tiny sapling, like the only one in that window. And that's where to your point in the, in the the, right, in a rifle hunting scenario, that extra time, if you're comfortable with it, zoom in, check it out. And you're going to
0: like, you'll just be so much more confident. And I I think it's less and less important, the bigger of a gun you're shooting. Like for example, if I'm shooting a three thirty 30 yacht six, through yeah. Greenbrier, I'm not that worried about it, especially not at, at all. especially at 40, 50 yards. But yep. if I'm shooting a muzzleloader at 110 through yeah. potentially some you know beach whips, that that might yep. that might be a little bit different. I mean, a lot For of that sure. is is just reading the situation and you know being realistic of what you can push through. But a question that I've been actually meaning to ask you too, because uh, Zimmy talked about it when I was in Wisconsin for the sturgeon spearing. Oh yeah, he was talking about how maybe I should ask you about a moving target range at Vortex that I maybe need to come visit here soon. You got to check it out. Yeah, that's something. Yeah. Like I think I would love to take a muzzleloader, a 450, and whatever other, you know, fast type shooting guns that I get set up here. I would love to. Yeah. practice and test that and just because i'm fascinated by i want to know more of the details of what my muzzle loader can do
1: yeah so what that's what, slow oh for sure definitely that's and, and what zimmy's talking about is we did uh mark and i had this exact debate about the four to 16 because that, that viper comes in a four to 16 and a two and a half ten. Mark loves more magnification, so he's always going to go towards that
0: four to sixteen. Well, that's because he's so old, he can't see as well anymore. Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so he always goes towards that thing. Where I love our, our two and a half to ten. We did a little shoot off a couple of years ago. He shot the four to sixteen. I shot the two and a half to ten, and it was a moving distance of I think twenty mile, fifteen miles an hour, twenty miles an hour, uh, left to right at 50 yards and the amount like that you're able to actually that increased field of view of actually like leading that target is so much more beneficial than like you the four to 16 is great for what it's for which is longer range shooting no one's putting a four to 16 on a rifle that they they're going to tote through the big woods of the northeast or northern Wisconsin or whatever um you know you're, you kind of feel like you're looking down a tube at that point and you've got this constricted field of view and the, you hit the nail on the head the biggest thing that you need to be able to look for is predicting that opening where he's going to hit it with both eyes open being able to track it and then make that shot as soon as that buck hits that that opening so
0: i'm curious i think there's two different ways to do this i'm curious your opinion because yep. i have my own opinion i'd be curious of yours i think there's two really obvious easy to explain ways of shooting at a trotting deer okay we're going to just use the same situation for both options you've got a deer he's 35 yards he's running straight broadside left to right and he's going through timber so there's these obstacles that are happening do you a put it on him track him and shoot and follow through or Mm -hmm. do you b put it on him Or, I'm sorry, go ahead of him, look for an opening, and then stab it. What do you do?
1: 100% get on him and follow him through until he hits that opening and then shoot in that moment. In my opinion, it is so impossible to do option B, which is like get on that hole and when he hits it, boom, pull the trigger. Exactly, because it becomes a punch, trigger, it's a rush shot. You're not, I mean, nobody, nobody shoots geese that way. Right. Nobody like goes like this and waits for the goose to fly into it before they start sky blasting. Right. <laughs>
0: you know, I mean, like yeah, I think I couldn't agree more. I think it's like, let's learn from the people that are doing it from a shotgun or bird hunting situation. Yeah. And when yeah. I learned to shoot trap from my grandpa who did this, yeah. I mean, traveled his, he, he was in that industry for a long time before I was born. And then when I was younger and he kind of got out of it probably about the time I went to college. But up to that point, I shot a lot of trap. And i yeah. it's hilarious. I don't do it at all anymore. But one of the things that, you know, I remember him talking about is just getting on it, following through and pulling through. And don't stop yep. your gun. You know, once you pull the trigger, don't stop your gun. And I think, why would it be any different for a moving target like a deer? I'm not saying being... You know, I'm I'm I am a believer in taking a running shot at a deer. I yeah. know that that's not everybody's deal, and I think that's okay. I think the most important thing is is first off know your limits. Yep. Don't be irresponsible with it. I'm talking situations where we're we're close range. Deer aren't full tilt necessarily. Exactly. That that's totally different. But yeah, like there's a big difference
1: between cooking across a wide open cornfield at mocks and coming through the timber after I got bumped two ridges
0: over and I'm kind of starting to slow down but I'm still moving Mm -hmm. that's I think what you're kind of talking about yeah yeah but like it's a situation I I think I have a clip of um Alex uh Ben and Keith's middle brother yeah he he shot a deer this year and the deer was trotting probably 20 yards and he just levels it and it's one of those shots where it's like that's what i'm talking about that's the type of shot yep. that i'm picturing i'm not talking about a deer at 250 yards full tilt across the cut bean field that's not what i'm talking about i'm more yeah. talking about a you know lightly bumped, the deer that's on the move but not necessarily out of control and again knowing your limits and what your experience level is and if you're on him or not too like if you're not on him just don't shoot and i You've also seen examples of that, like, especially in our muzzleloader hunting, there's all kinds of examples of us letting one go by because we're hunting with muzzleloaders for one. And two, the guy just never has a clear shot. Definitely. I think that I'm all about it. But the other thing that I think of when I'm talking about that situation is if I'm on him and I'm following him, if I pull it and I pull it when I'm on him, And I mess up a little bit with where I'm anticipating that opening being and I hit a tree, so be it. It's like I got to be on him before I take that versus I feel like for me, there's some situation where I might take that abrupt shot. But that's more of a walking situation to me.
1: Exactly. You know,
0: if he's walking real slow and it's like as soon as he steps out from behind that tree, bam. But again, I just think that it's really important to know – again your limits on it and everything and that's why i really would love to see what a muzzle loader does at different ranges close range i feel pretty confident but it's like what would that be like (laughs) at 80 versus 40 because your muzzle loader is going so damn slow compared to a 30-06 for example i
1: i wish i don't have the numbers in front of me right now but i chronographed my muzzle loader before i went out and hunted nebraska a couple years ago Mm -hmm. and uh I think I showed, I, yeah, we talked about this. I killed a little spike buck out there on the very <laughs> last day. And uh, I killed that buck at 237 yards with Ease. that thing. And the reason I felt so confident, I mean, I've, I was like, I know I'm going to crack this thing. Okay. It, because I we, we did all that prep work on the front end of like chronographing it. Mm-hmm. And I knew exactly what my, my holds were at those distances. But in doing that, it also gives you – what your bullet velocity is at that distance and i think it like 200 past 200 yards 230 yards whatever i want to say the i'm shooting a 225 grain um power belt copper bullet with 66 grains of blackhorn 209 by weight um and that was pushing that bullet at like just over a thousand feet per second at that distance. Like my, my Jeez. muzzle velocity, I think at the muzzle was like 1850,
0: 1875. Yeah,
1: that's slow. It was like 1046. I want to say is the number that stands out. I mean, it's like, that's barely. And, and actually interesting enough, like that deer was like absolutely stone dead. I hit him on the offside and like the last rib. he was quartering away and it lodged in the offside shoulder, didn't exit um because that bullet was moving so slow it didn't really like mushroom out and do a ton I mean there was no blood like I literally was just following the trail that he was on he kind of ran down towards this little like cedar choked thicket down there in the bottom and all of a sudden there he was laying there dead just stone dead and it looked like somebody had just like put a, a a needle like in behind the shoulder and out to the offside shoulder so, yeah, I mean, very interesting too, because then you can actually like figure out, okay, what are my shots going to be at? If I would have been anticipating a shot at 200 plus yards, mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to go with a copper bullet. I'm probably going to go with some sort of like ex- highly expandable,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, jacketed bullet or something like that. So, I don't,
0: I don't, I'm not a bullet expert by any means, but I've definitely noticed, <clears throat> and I think a lot of this started because we were hearing in whitetail adrenaline videos, the guys talk about shooting these Barnes bullets and we started testing them probably around 2019, I think was the first year we started using and night and day difference in blood trails and knockdown power Barnes TMZ actually have one of the ones that I'm using right here by chance, but that's 295 uh, TMZ Yep. believe is what that one is. And previously yep. I've also shot the straight hollow point. That one's got that tip on there, but I've shot the hollow points and this, I mean technically this is a hollow point with just that little tip in there, but it's it's uh pretty deadly compared to other muzzleloader bullets and just incredibly accurate. You pair this with the Blackhorn 209 son <laughs> I'm talking. Yeah. It. it really does pretty pretty impressive stuff and I i'm big on that man i, I really want oh, yeah. knockdown power especially again in these timber situations that we keep talking about that's the majority of my hunting is a timber For situation
1: sure. yeah i'm looking at those right now on uh online yeah it looks like you can get them in like a 250 or a 290 grain um yeah those are sweet and those are copper too so copper with a polymer tip it looks like
0: they're they're sweet and i'm I'm buying them up as much as I can because they're yeah. I, I just dude, they're, they're hard to find. Yeah, muzzleloader stuff in general is all of a sudden just like it used to never be an issue. All of a sudden, it's yeah. like you can't find any of it.
1: I know. I feel like I'm always on like the Midway USA like uh, wait list, like email notifications when like Blackhorn comes in or whatever. Yeah. I just never want to be without that stuff. You know, yeah, I never want to not
0: have it. Dude, I got myself in a bad situation this year where. I didn't have a ton of it and I had a backup plan and I, op, you know, solid options that I had shot with the same you know without adjusting anything that yep. would work but I just don't yeah I got myself in a weird situation where I was in Indiana and I <laughs> Jake told me, "Oh yeah, I'll bring blackhorn to. Nine Zimmy's got a bunch of it." Yeah. Jake didn't bring Blackhorn 209. (laughs) Oh, man. Here I am, like, got, like, three shots, and it, you know, that made me pass up a shot on a coyote that I absolutely would have taken had I had endless Blackhorn 209, you know, and that honestly pisses me off. I mean, it was a sweet opportunity to shoot a coyote, but then I hesitated because I'm like, oh, I got, you know, I want to make sure I got enough that's realistic to make a couple follow-up shots and everything if need be, if I'm – deciding to shoot at a deer i don't want to be irresponsible but yeah that i got myself in that situation and then also um the bullets and even the primers man like finding them yeah. because you, with the blackhorn it's really important to shoot, you gotta the shoot its, shotgun it's like the primer yeah yep and, and yeah that's some well if you watched that last ohio muzzleloader video you saw colin's little issue there oh my gosh dude also heartbreaking
1: absolutely heartbreaking Uh, (laughs)
0: is that that
1: is that what the issue was it was yeah yeah and i mean dude because i told you about that happening to me on that that same exact thing hang fires and it's just what what got me was i cleaned my gun wrong and i had moisture in the breech plug Mm.
0: so it was like a delayed like type scenario The first time I ever dealt with it, the season previous was, I believe the 2000, I'm sorry, 18 was when we made the switch. So 18, we made the switch. And I think it was one of these deals where friend told us, Jake and I like, Hey, this is what you need. And we made the right moves then. Well, Jake lent me the gun to go to Nebraska in 2019 and I was out here. And I was going to go from here, Colorado, to Nebraska. And I went out and I shot this muzzleloader. And, I mean, dude, the year prior, it was like, you know, a classic deal of make sure it's zeroed. And next thing you know, we're shooting at 200 yards. And it's just, you know, perfect. softball size groups at 200 yards with a muzzleloader, which that was insane for us at that time, especially. Because we'd never done that before. Well, then all of a sudden, I'm shooting this gun in 2019. And I cannot get the damn thing to hit anywhere remotely close yeah. to what I was the year prior. It'd be like one shot. I'm here. And then the next shot I'm here. And then three in a row are over here. And then one's way out in left field, you know? And it's like, what is going on? So I go back and I go back and talk to Jake and he's like, well, ah, let me ask some people, you know? And, uh, he's like, were you shooting shotgun primers? And it was like, Light bulb, Bing. like I forgot yep. about that, and I had been shooting these muzzle letter which is what I had. Sure enough, go back out, and it's immediately the same deal. It's like right back to shooting great. Well, the, since then, I've had multiple. I mean, I got plenty of other stories of buddies kind of going through the same growing pains of being at the range, and like, I don't know, man, I just can't get it to shoot. Yeah, and then you're like, uh, is it your primer? And then it's like, oh, yeah, well, Colin now. What happened with Colin specifically is he would shoot his gun a few times before season to make sure it's zeroed. And he made the switch to Blackhorn. And he's not shooting his gun sure. super far. He's shooting it at like 50, 75 yards. So he would shoot it three or four times to make sure it's zeroed before he'd go hunting. And it yeah. would hit fine. Yeah. And in his defense, I mean, yeah, he probably should be shooting his gun more, but yeah. at those shorter ranges, which is a realistic yeah. shot. He's doing the right thing. But all of a sudden he makes a hang, he has a hang fire in the season previous you know, previous, so that would have been the twenty early twenty two. Then twenty three, same thing happens and it's just we're standing there kind of breaking it down and all of a sudden it's like, What primary are you shooting? And he tells me and it's like Uh, and then I felt, I I mean, I'll be honest Yeah. and and he'll tell me up and down, oh, it's not your fault. It's my fault. But I I do feel like a little bit of it I could have prevented because I've made the mistake. And generally speaking, I mean, one of my life goals is, is to show my friends my mistakes, whether that's through video or story, because I, I don't want them to make the same mistake. Right. Well, then sure enough he goes and does that and then has a misfire and you know, it's like, you look at, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just a rough situation with the muzzle loaders, but they're finicky. Yeah, you gotta be, they are man.
1: They're, they're very like, um, you need to do everything the same every single time. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you start breaking up that routine, like that's when you start running into stuff like that. I mean, they're, they're, they're very much like a bow. Like, yeah, Like, a bow is so much dependent on how you hold it, how your grip is, how your release is, where your arrow is, blah, 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 like all that. Muzzle loader is not a whole lot different there. So, it's tough, man. It
0: sucks because he missed some really good
1: opportunities.
0: But what he did do is give us an incredible platform to build an entire series off of a character. Like, from an editing standpoint, dude, that was so fun for me. Like, I was just like, I always had that in my back pocket was like that like, you know, last year I started the series this year with his like kind of mess ups there yeah. before seat or on the last day. And then, cause the last day last year, he hang fires on a coyote. We have that whole like conversation. That's so funny about like him getting cut. And then he does the whole scope thing with the GoPros and then. This year, last day, he has that. And it's like, that's sitting in my back pocket the whole time. And, you know, when I was editing those videos, you'll appreciate this because of, you know, you're editing history. But I'm sitting there and I'm like, putting that last video together. And I mean, it's sweet. Don't get me wrong. We killed two bucks. It's like the best action that we've ever had. It's my favorite hunting video ever. But I was like, I need something really, something to spice this up. And I'm playing through that last hunt, that last drive, Collins miss. And all of a sudden it just dawned on me. I had the vision. It was gonna be this like, you know, spin back in time and have him like replaying all those like failures yeah. from the year prior. And dude, when I put that together, I was laughing so hard at that part. Just have you seen that segment? Yet? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, dude, I I
1: was also laughing at it. The funniest part too is when then you text me, you're like, Hey, Colin's getting a new <laughs> muzzle order, so I'm like, I know exactly why he's getting a new fucking. I didn't even need to ask a question.
0: <laughs> Dude, he's, you know, and the thing about Colin too is like, he doesn't always screw up, and that's what's funny is like, you can make a video make somebody look like such a doofus, but like, yeah. in reality, he's he's improved so much, and and I appreciate so much how much effort he's put into like any team hunting. Whether yeah. it's elk or the muzzleloader stuff or turkey hunting, like he's he's an incredible yeah. team player, and that's what I like about hunting with him. So it's like we threw him under the bus, but luckily he's he can handle it, you know. Oh, for sure, for yeah. sure. I mean, he'll have his he'll have his day. Oh yeah. Elk. Well, we keep talking about like, you know, one of these years he's gonna end up shooting a freaking tank, and it's gonna be like exactly. sweet footage and everything. It's gonna make it all that much better. But yeah, pretty funny. Yeah. All right, dude. Well, hey, I better let you go considering it's been three and a half hours, but I've loved it. I lost you here. Okay, there. Can you hear me now? I hear you.
1: Yeah. Well, you were just saying
0: we're wrapping up and my earbuds are dying. They're helping <laughs> the same thing. i was <laughs> sitting here like a while ago. I ran out of card space on my other camera, which isn't that big of a deal, but it's just like, it's so funny how yeah. you get yeah. to talking with your buddies. And, it's the way it goes, man. But yeah, let's definitely connect up and do the do something this spring, for
1: sure. Even yeah. if it's traveling podcast, whatever.
0: Yeah, keep in touch. And uh, I guess for those listening, hope you've enjoyed Eric and I's storytelling ramble. You know, this is one of those classic days where I didn't really have a plan, but I feel like we covered some pretty awesome topics and could be beneficial to anybody listening. And I sure as heck enjoyed catching up and telling stories. It's been a lot of fun on help me take my mind off the fact that I'm having surgery tomorrow. That's for dang sure. (laughs) Absolutely, man. No, it'll be a quick recovery for you. I have no doubts. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening and wish me luck tomorrow and we'll catch you on the next episode. See you, dude. See ya.